If you're an Android user who's sick and tired of your current podcast player and are looking to divorce it and move on to something new, well, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There's thousands of good reviews, people telling you how much they like it, so you don't have to go out on a limb and be risky. You can you can take a sure thing. That's the Podcast Republic app, which you can find on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who definitely would fight me tooth and nail for the house where we decide to split the podcast, the Macho Man Drew. Andrew Lano. I mean, assuming it's one of the houses we've covered, yeah, we've covered some cool houses. We have covered a lot of very cool houses, including this one. This is Listener Request Month, and so instead of telling you why we're picking this movie, we, well, we picked it out of a hat, so we'll let Patreon supporter Tom tell you why we're here. Hey, Trip and Andrew, this is Tom from Patreon. I'm thrilled that I can continue my Patreon support for your fantastic podcast for another year. Thanks for picking War of the Roses for my selection this year. Of the three Danny DeVito films that I gave this year, this may be the one that I think is, is, is the most well-made. Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito are all like at the height of their powers in this film, and they really look like they had a whole bunch of fun making it. While the film is highly entertaining and <laughs> extremely bleak. What I love about this film, though, is I think it has a really era-relevant cultural message, and I think this is really interesting to underline. So it came out in December of 1989. It was one of the last films released in the 80s, and I think the way it portrays how destructive materialism, spite, and a win-at-any-cost attitude can be is really a brilliant way to wrap up a decade like the 80s (laughs) that had a nearly complete focus on excess and self-absorption. I think, you know, uh, it's one that I really love. The thing in the movie really is completely rules, and I think it's really kind of a forgotten gem. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks a lot, you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you next year. Well, you know what that means? We watched War of the Roses. We watched War of the Roses, and you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your divorce black comedy. Something's gotta be done about your divorce black comedy. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So I have to be honest, uh, Tom gave us three Danny DeVito picks. And weren't uh, two of them Kathleen Turner DeVito? Well, it was definitely... Romancing the Stone and this. And Romancing the Stone. And I forget what the third one was. Ruthless People, I think, was the third one. You're right, which is not Kathleen Turner. I think that's Bette Midler. yeah uh and i have to say like i watched the trailers for all three of them because i i was i was vaguely familiar with romancing the stone i think i've and i think i've researched ruthless people before but this one was one i had not really looked at and of the three from the trailers i was like i was really kind of rooting for romancing the stone ruthless like this probably would have been third for me Mm -hmm. uh, as as far as it goes but man pleasantly surprised for me uh in terms of overall watch here this is uh, Danny DeVito directed this as well as acted in it. I so I didn't realize how active he was behind the scenes in general. Like I thought Matilda was like a one-off, like a passion project 
thing for him. He, it was yeah. like, hey, I've, I've been Danny DeVito for so long. I want to make him. I want to direct a movie. I didn't realize yeah. it was not the case. He's directed a bunch of shit. And then I found out, I don't know if you will remember. Do you remember the movie Camp that I used to watch growing up about the like mm. theater camp in upstate New York and the, the kids? Like in the vaguest yeah. sense of rem- remember, yeah. yes, he was one of the four producers on that movie. Oh, okay, he's a big theater guy. I, it's just, it's. I just when I picture Danny DeVito, I like don't think of. I'd never realized he had he was so active. And then when I was like going through his filmography of uh, like non acting stuff, I was like, he he produced Camp. Wow. Huh. One of my favorite Danny DeVito things, and I know this sounds like a bit, but I found it genuinely extremely entertaining. He was in a play on New York, uh, Jesus, a play on New York, yeah, a play on Broadway, and he had to eat a hard-boiled egg on stage every night. And so he was doing an interview with, I think, the New York Times talking about that. Like just this one part of the performance, yeah. like oh, you have to you have to eat an egg every night, and he was like, you got to do stuff to make it interesting for yourself. So he was talking like he was demonstrating the character uses a cane, and he was like, sometimes I do this, and he like used the, he held the egg and he used the cane like as a weapon <laughs> to like bludgeon. He's like, other times you do this, and he's like tapping the egg on the cane, and he's like, sometimes I do this, and he's like smashing it in his palms. But it was like that kind of sound. Thing you don't honestly like being a stage manager on that production of like. Who's tracking the eggshells? Can we? How soon after? That's part of it. When does That's the curtain go he, down? He that, would like that. We can sweep this shit up. He would. He would. He would intentionally crack the egg in such a way as to not do what you're describing, so that he could neatly catch the shells and put them in his pocket. Oh, I'm surprised that, that I'm. I would have thought there would have been a system like a a hole like a cup in the table or a hole in the table to just like boop boop boop. He might, it might have been a bowl or a cup, but like he, he consciously was peeling the egg. I'm talking about the part where you just crack the shell so that you can peel yeah. it. Yeah. But he would consciously sort of try to make life easier for other people, but also like, you know, he just seems do. like the coolest dude. He's like at this, the, the, I guess this generation had Dick Miller, but like this generation's Dick Miller in terms of just like, seems like a real cool dude. His birthday party would be a very eclectic mix of people that I would be fascinated yeah, to go yeah. to. Especially with his, like, I don't know, fifth wave, sixth wave, whatever it would be, of the It's Always Sunny years. Yeah, right? I was really struck watching this this video, and this is some years ago, of his dedication to making this mundane act interesting for the audience. Like, <laughs> It could also be interesting for him. Sure, sure. I mean, por que no los dos, right? You know? The, but it's an act that would be wrote in so many actors hands and I'm not, that's not to dismiss them. Like there's not necessarily a reason that you should have an interesting reason to eat, to peel your interesting way to peel your egg every night. That's fine. That's, it's a reasonable thing to do, (laughs) but I was just really struck by it. It's like, you know, he kind of thought about this and this is a part of the character to him. And he like found this little hook for this, this character, which I I just found it really super fascinating. Uh, I've always liked Danny DeVito, but the more I see him, in things while I'm an adult, the more I have an appreciation for him in general. Like I just, I think he's really, it's hard to be underrated when you've gotten the sort of attention and career longevity he has, but it's like, he doesn't get the attention for being as good as he is. I think he's underrated in his talents. I I even would call him underrated because he's not like someone you think about. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's been working forever. And like in, I would, I would wager he is, you know, in the periphery of a lot of people's, you know, favorite movies or perform like stuff like Matilda. Sure, yeah. Matilda is widely regarded as a, a great children's movie that is also for adults. 
Yeah, for sure. I haven't watched it in a minute, so I'm. But from what I hear, it holds up really well. I watched a good chunk of it with mom and dad not that long ago, and I expected to be bored by it, and I I, I wasn't. I was I was impressed. The thing about Matilda, having now just watched this, that's interesting is so much Danny DeVito camera movement, mm-hmm. shot setup, whatever. The DNA is in both the movies, and and. You, you can be into auteur theory and, and or not, that's fine. But he has a signature style that's v- like v- extremely evident. And, and uh, just watching two scenes out of context of any of his movies, you'd be like, oh, that's Dane DeVito. Much like a Sam Raimi. I was going to say like that a- his style almost feels Sam Raimi-ish, Edgar Wright-ish. Like there's, it feels like there's sprinkles of, of like, the, I, I can see that I wouldn't be shocked if those directors were like, oh yeah, no, I enjoy Danny DeVito films. Because like you can see right. some or, of those angles and camera work. He and Sam Raimi oddly are almost um, contemporaries in terms of directing, as far as the years that things. Oh, were that made. makes sense. So it's it, it's very possible that they might just have a shared influence. I know Raimi loves the Three Stooges, and that influenced a lot of his setups and stuff. And I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe that's it. The Dane DeVito's a big Stooges guy. I don't know the answer to it, but I was just really struck watching it of there's three or four scenes in this where you're like, oh, that that he did that again in Matilda. <laughs> yep. Or, or a, a version of he it. He kept like, that on the back way. burner. He was like, I, that was yeah, successful yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, here we have this incredible open. We're in a law office. Dan Castel- Castellaneta, I'm going to butcher that every time it comes up, which oh, thankfully isn't many, is in there to get a divorce. He's the voice of Homer Simpson. I don't know if you... And also Replacement Genie after Disney pissed off Robin Williams. Oh, okay. That's funny. Um, he's in there to get a divorce, a divorce. And Danny DeVito playing this divorce lawyer is just like the perfect energy for him. It's funny because I was wa- as I was watching this, I was like, this, this Danny DeVito character feels like the brother of Mr. Wormwood in Matilda. Like... Yeah, yeah. Like they, they were two brothers who went... Who are like same base model, but then they took slightly different paths. I feel like his perfect setup is gruff scuzzball with a heart of gold, like lovable gruff scuzzball. Yeah, because uh, Phil, you know, Phil yes. from Hercules. Well, that's what I was gonna get to. Hercules is like the guy that the Hercules character, which I just recently rewatched because another podcast I listened to did an episode on it, and I was like, I haven't put that in a while, and I kind of put it on for background. It's fun, notes. and it was like, this is fine. It's not. It's not clearly of a different lower standard of the Musker and Clements movies, but the the part of it that they found so charming is like they were like, oh, it's Danny DeVito. We have to get Danny DeVito to play this like trainer character. And so of course it just looks like Danny DeVito <laughs> yeah, as a, it does. Uh, a I don't satyr. know what that creature's called. Or a, fa- a satyr. I think he's a satyr. Yeah. I think satyr is the the male form of that a fawn? masculine form. Yeah, isn't that right? No, because I, I think I think I think what's his face from Narnia calls himself a fawn, so he's one of the two. Okay. In any case, uh, he it just looks just like him, and it's you know it's just a really it's good, him with goat legs. Yeah, exactly, and horns. But it just it's just a really like the, the character gets a fair amount to do in this movie, and Danny DeVito clearly loves playing this character, and he gives himself a lot to do, which like it's his, he's the director. That's fine with yeah. me. But also every time he's on screen, he's enhancing the movie. It's not just. I'm giving myself all this great business to do and mm-hmm. everyone else shines shines lesser. Like I suck up all the oxygen. Every time he's on screen, he's he's bringing a lot to the table. But this one in particular, this opening bit is like, 
it made me think about that thing with the egg because I was like, man, this is like a stage performance. He's it's just him, Dan Castellaneta. God damn it, Dan Castellaneta doesn't say anything through the whole movie. Yeah, it's that's weird because watching this, I had a I had a uh, pandemonium flashback where I was like thinking of Matilda also and Batman right. Returns. I was like, this could have been Paul Rubens. Yeah, and just a a silent bit of acting with with a lot of those big eye shots, but. He might be a little too goofy for this. I mean, I don't, I'm not, he's not going to like spin his tie and be like, wow, divorce. But when I look at, when I look at Paul Rubens, I don't think, oh, that's a man who's been married long enough to want a divorce. (laughs) Yeah, I guess not. Um, Anyway, the other. Unless you count an armchair. He's like, yes, exactly. (laughs) And, and uh, Cowboy Curtis. (laughs) And Jombie. But he's doing these great monologues. He's he's got these you know really great pieces, and he's like working the space and using the props really well. It's just a really good bit of acting. I just was really impressed by it. Oh yeah, and I love. Did you catch that on the, in the background as he's walking around his office? There's an AV cart like they used to roll into our classrooms, where it'd be like you know the tall cart with no. The I mi- I know what you're talking on. about, but I missed that. So it's like maybe six feet tall. It's a cart. With the TV, like, Velcro strapped to it. Yeah, it's those, like, tension straps. But on the on the part where there should be a VCR, there's a, there's a regular Nintendo. I totally missed that. And I was like, oh, my God, was Dave DeVito just, like, getting into little Super Mario Brothers between takes? He's Probably. like, all right. Duck Hunt, maybe? And he's, yeah, exactly. Um, so I will say, on a, my own, one of my few critiques of, from a filmmaking perspective, a lot of this movie is dark. Yes. And I don't get why. He uses a lot of shadow and a lot of key lighting to sort of heighten emotions in the actors. And I, I, I respect what he's doing from a craft standpoint, but I think these two actors are good enough that you don't need it. Well, so no, it I don't even extraneous. mean that. Like in this scene in the office, the opening scene, it just felt kind of dark because I've been wearing blue light blocking glasses a lot, which have a yellow tint. And so, like, sometimes if I'm watching something dark, I will, like, lift my glasses, like, oh, nope, that's just my glasses, and I'll, like, leave them off to watch it. And I had to, like, do a, an up-down a couple times to be like, is it? No, mm. it's it's not. Nope, nope, it's just, this is just dark. Because I like the moments when they do the Morticia Adams lighting on Kathleen Turner, because yeah, yeah. A, it's Kathleen Turner, B, it's Morticia Adams lighting, so, like, obviously I'm on board for that. But there's some moments I'm like, it doesn't, we can bump the, <laughs> bump the exposure a few, a few ticks, please. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, it's an old school law office, so it's dark wood, lots of books, the carpet's dark. It's just, I mean, it's just a dark setting yeah. for sure. So we cut to Michael Douglas with just righteously bad hair. This is this part in the beginning where uh, Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas are playing themselves as college students is like sitcom level. We just slap a wig on you and now you're yourself younger kind of business. It's the worst wig I've seen I, on this show in a very long time. I almost wish we had seen there was a shot of them as adults first because yes, because I'm watching them and I'm like, oh, Kathleen Turner's like uh, that's two adults, whatever. And then they're talking about college and I'm like, are they supposed to be in college? <laughs> That's I like I love I you, Kathleen Turner. Laugh. But <laughs> excuse me. And then yeah, I, I I had a bark laugh at this part where I was like, oh no, oh wait, you're telling me that these two are playing themselves as college students? Like right now? she might That's as well have a high bed? pony and like a a Letterman sweater on. Yeah, it's like it's exactly it. Yes. 
Uh, did you notice? She does like a handstand right away, which is one of the first of many times they use a great gymnast double for Kathleen Turner, which is... A it's mood. solid. Did you notice that the... Uh, so they meet at an auction in a tent and they bond because she outbid him on purpose for this little statue. But did you notice that the description in the auction book completely was wrong compared to what the auctioneer says about it? Oh, no. It, it says just not at all the same. It says Chinese homunculus circa 18th century. And then mm. literally from the close up on this in the book, it cuts to the auctioneer being like this lovely Japanese statue of a Shinto goddess estimated from the 17th from the 1700s. And I was like, huh. none of not one of those yeah. was right. <laughs> yeah, I I did catch that now that you say it. It just didn't register for me. Um it's a very tiny little sculpture too that they're they're they bid on and and that's sort of the meat cute I suppose. Yeah, it's it's about the size of a stapler. So at the time of filming this, he was forty five and she was thirty five, and I uh, don't mean this to be insulting, but it was I think she looks a little older and she he looks a little younger. Like I would have guessed they were both forty. Yeah, and so I was like, oh my gosh, there's like a couple who are well paired in their respective ages and then i looked it up and i'm like nope that's the that's the hollywood's head baby (laughs) (laughs) and then a year a year before she was jessica rabbit that's right that's right so i i was i watched the trailer but you don't get a ton in the movie and we do a time jump and they have kids and i was like oh i needed a lower third i needed a lower because because yeah i like didn't realize that i had like on wikipedia it says 18 years ago they met Right. So I was like, okay, so they they were in college because these I get I'm assuming these are twins that they have and I didn't think they were twins, but I I got like 2 years apart. Well, they're going to college together. Not together, but they're both going off to college mm. at the same time. That's a good point. I was like I just needed a lower third of like cuz in Death Becomes Her it says like 1972, 5 years later, another 5 years later, 3 years later. Well, like it it very clearly yeah. lets you know when you are, which is important for these kind of time hop stories. Yeah. But I was I was really afraid for two things here. It's like we jump to the kids and it's Christmas time and she brings him some candy, the kids some candy, and he's like, Oh, the you're gonna make them fat. And I'm like, Oh no. Like, is this a movie like their failures as parents because their kids is fat? Like, oh, that's gonna suck. I really don't want it to be that. No, and it's then, still a fat joke, but it's not yeah. that fat joke. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, we we go outside. She's like begging him to come outside and, and take a walk. And he's like, "It's I'm working. I'm like, dude, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> what are you fucking Ebenezer Scrooge? He is Ebenezer like, Scrooge. It well, it's funny because yeah. this this house feels like the Cratchit house, but he feels oh, like Ebenezer sure Scrooge. Yes, yes. Like, no more cold. You kids are warm enough. Put another sweater on. I don't know why I turned Michael Douglas into Donald Pleasant. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> although Donald Pleasant as Ebenezer Scrooge would never have been mad about that. Would have been would great. Would never have that's, been mad about that's that. That's a real, that's a real treat in the offing there. So she bought him his dream car. Uh, it's a uh, something with an M. It's a Morgan, which I've never heard of. Morgan, yes. It's a Cruella uh, Deville car. British car. Yeah, yeah. It's a British car from the like early car days, I believe. Yeah, it's it's the car Cruella Deville drives. <laughs> no, it's it's you're not wrong. So we get to one of my favorite tropes in cinema, and I've we've talked about this in other movies, and I always put this call out, but if you're a listener and you experienced either yourself or as a child or whatever, the like, 
my dad, it, I'm not trying to be sexist, but in the movies, it's always my dad. Maybe your mom worked and it was that too. So whatever. But my parents' boss is coming over for dinner and it's this really high pressure, high stakes situation for the whole family because it just seems insane. But also, but also it's that like the kids are aware of the situation, but are nowhere to be seen. Like, you are well, that's, you are locked in your it's Cinderella it's the end of Cinderella your mother's locked you in your room with a plate of of crusty bread and a glass of water that was going to be part 2 because the trope is always the dinner's really fancy everybody's really stressed and then they sit down to eat and they're like all right well good night kids what time is it like <laughs> these are 10 year old children their bedtime is like 9 o'clock are these people inviting their boss over for dinner for a 9 p.m start we're not in fucking spain like what are we doing here i i know i'm a fat american idiot but come, nine o'clock like what are we doing that does seem late or maybe you better have heavy hors d'oeuvres if i'm coming over for a dinner party and the dinner is at nine fucking p.m you better have like the largest platter of hot hors d'oeuvres no crudite no dips and chip no salsa i need hot food in my stomach <laughs> between the hours of 7 and 8 30 if you're gonna do alternative this 9 PM bullshit alternative give me lots of ice cold vodka <laughs> <laughs> that's worse i would be so hungry by nine if i was drunk <laughs> Yeah, I'd that, be on a fainting couch. They'd be like, what happened to Trip? Oh, he's trying to, he, he went into our refrigerator. He found a jar of Prego and he's chugging it in the other room. <laughs> he's he's taking bites out of che- a block of cheese like it's a hand fruit. <laughs> he, he seems to be eating dry pasta and drinking spaghetti <laughs> sauce right after. But yeah, no, I've. I've but it's. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But and it's also like insane to me on its face, like in this one in particular, because she's cooking dinner for like 12 people. It's normally, oh, it's the boss and the boss's wife comes over and it's a dinner for four situation, which is. Yeah. First episode of WandaVision. Yeah. She, she, you know, she, we learn later, is a very good cook to the point that she opens like a catering business. But for a normal housewife or you know, person with a job who's married to another person with a job, the idea that it's like, hey, can you crank out a fancy dinner for 12 people while the partners come over? It's just ludicrous. Well, she was a, she was a stay-at-home mom by, th- by this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, cause like, go in go the, to a goddamn <laughs> restaurant, you cheap assholes. Well, I think there's this old-school like mentality of, like, it means more if you do it at home. Like... Anyone can go to a restaurant, but if your home impresses the boss, that's worth more. Yeah, but it's like the the. the I don't agree with is, it, but like that's the stupid. No, I don't know, no, but the logic of that is so lopsided because it's like you pay this person's salary, so you know how much house they can afford. It's probably not enough to impress you, a person who makes much more money than them. I agree with that, but I don't remember so if I, Dad ever had if this not this exact, but something to this effect. Anyone from no work coming over. I have I have recollection of like friends like colleagues but not superiors. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like would come over for for some social thing or other but but never like a oh I'm inviting the big honcho and mom's really stressed about cooking dinner or whatever. No. It just seems so crazy. It feels like one of those things that is a screenwriter thing, much like the climbing the rope in gym class and people like getting injured and falling off the rope stuff. Yeah. It's like, I never climbed a rope. Never. That was never a never. thing. It's extremely dangerous. I'm, although that could also be just maybe in the 80s that was a thing. 
I'm sure it was a thing in some places, but it seems to me that more people know about that from movies than their actual life experience. I would agree with that. That sounds about right. Like, I'm sure that it happened, but I think it was like a ubiquitous trope because people watch movies and copy things that they see when they make other entertainment. Yeah. Although I will say these kids didn't have to awkwardly hang out with other children that they've never seen or heard of and have nothing in common with. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's that's not bad. <laughs> these four kids got to go to bed instead of like, well, you and this child who is about the same age, you get to hang out for two hours while the adults are in the other room. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the kids should be there. I, I'm fine with it. It's like the kids are going off to like the kids are with the babysitter or anything else. But it's always, well, good night, children. Say good night to my. They blow my the superior. whistle and the kids. Yeah. <laughs> the Von Trapp children say good. That's, there's always farewell. a Von Trapp moment. That's what it is. So DeVito is at this dinner and he's brought a date who sits across the table from him. It's very odd seating arrangements. They have Michael Douglas and his wife at opposite ends. The heads, heads of the table. table. Yeah. And then the the couples seem opposite each other. I think else it's down the line. No, I think it's the head of the table. Te- heads of the table are Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas, and then Danny DeVito and his date are across from each other. And then one couple is to the right, is seated on the same side as okay. Danny's date right, and the other right. couple. You're right. And it's a glass table because it's the 80s and they're yuppies. Yeah. And Danny DeVito gets real gross with like, I'm like, this is a glass table. Like, this <laughs> seems weird. Is, like Kathleen Turner can see what's happening, as can the woman to his left. Because the, the date first puts her foot in the lap with the shoe on. Then the shoe comes off. Then he rips the pantyhose and he gets gravy from the chicken and starts giving her a foot rub with it's the gravy. It's so weird. Well, also He's because... such a scuzzball. They showed the other woman having a reaction, like the other partner's wife, whatever, having a reaction. And I was like... Yeah. Oh, okay. So not just Kathleen Turner is seeing this. Like, there's going to be some, some, something about this. And then just nope. Nope. <laughs> not a word. Not a peep. And then they ask about the crystal. And it just reminded me of how a few years ago, uh, Nan was saying that, like, no, she, complaining, like, opining that no one, no young people want crystal anymore. And in my head, I'm like, right. Yeah. Like, what, what would I use? What am I using it for? <laughs> I don't, I'm not entertaining. I have crystal rocks glasses that I like to drink out of. That's fair. And I, have, and I have crystal martini glasses that I drink out of, but I do not possess enough crystal to host other people. I have two martini glasses. Like, I don't yeah. have a, a set for, I have a set one for me and one and my boyfriend or one friend who might want a martini, but like, I don't have that kind of thing. Right. It's it's just impractical. We don't. It's like it's just not no. necessary. It's like having the and good also, the good plates, and I'm like I don't I don't have space for good plates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a much smaller housing situation. I do think it's like you when you bought a house and you have more storage that some people want those things, especially if you have like I know a lot of folks who have holiday glassware and holiday stuff. Yeah, like we do too. But at our parents' house, but it's kind of like low key i know people who have like crystal glasses and actual silver no ours is ours is like is is they're lennox glasses with the little bell with the the bells and bows they're they're cute yeah but it's not like the background the background of the waterford but i love this part right here sets the whole movie in motion because he's like oh dear why don't you tell that story and she can't get four sentences into the story before he just takes the reins back and tells the but story himself. what bothers me is that he doesn't even take the reins back he just correct he just corrects her 
And then there's a moment where she's saying something and he is mouthing the words to her. And I was like, yes, if you why are you bothering to coach her for this? Just you tell the story. Why can't is it less impressive if the husband tells the story? I don't. I think it's like uh, the idea being, oh, we're so in sync. We can tell this story together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, look at this lovely relationship that uh, you're getting a glimpse of sort of deal. Yeah. Did dad ever tell you? I, I assume he did uh, the story of when he was younger and uh, the crystal he was involved with. Uh, I don't know. Is it? Are, am I going to have to bleep all of this out? No, 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 no. So he, uh, uh, you know, as a young child in the... 60s and 70s he was making martinis for our grandparents friends uh at the bar cart and it was it's the it was a kind with like the leaf on the side that Mm -hmm. for like holding extra stuff and he was he said all the crystal was on there and (laughs) i leaned on it (laughs) and it fell this feels like a trip story and all of this is this this didn't happen to me (laughs) but it did also yeah he said all the crystal, all of the glasses fell to the ground and shattered. <laughs> and it was the prettiest sound I've ever heard. <laughs> I bet it was. Sounded beautiful is the way you <laughs> described it. That's great. Uh, so we get through the dinner and immediately they're like fighting upstairs and Michael Douglas can't see what he's done wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, here's your problem. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm going to just highlight this part. So she, she calls him a fuck face, which I was like, Oh, that's aggressive. We're already at that point in the like deterioration. Yeah. But then it sort of quickly devolves into a realization. He's like, okay, I was being an asshole. I was being fake. And it's, I was like, Oh, I like that. It, it, it seemed, I was like, Oh, they love each other. Like they do love each other. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. I was like, but then she got real hot, real fast then for, for a couple that does really love each other. Right. Which I think is one of my complaints about this movie is that it's a little inconsistent. Uh, also that it has a really great first and second act. And I think the third act, the third act is for me, the one that is the least consistent with the other two. Like, it builds super inconsistent act one builds act two builds on that. And act three is like the same level of intensity, but for a completely different movie. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Act three is bonkers in comparison. Yeah. And I, I, part of what it is, is there's not enough animosity that builds up in the first two acts. Like I see that they're incompatible. I don't see that they want to kill each other. Yeah. And it feels to me like you watched the first two acts of mean girls and then watched the third act of heathers so like sure yeah you're you it's the same realm and it's the same thing but you're like oh this is not the same thing i've been watching i'm i'm not mad at it but it's it i didn't i don't get this this solution to the problem you've been presenting right i like show your work most I think it's like my favorite part of the movie is act three but i agree with you 100 that it doesn't connect well yeah. So this this next part, she's driving the kids to looks like ice skating practice and soccer practice. And the mom is like, oh, I, I love this house. I'm going to leave a note again. And it's like, hey, if you ever decide to sell, tell me. And she walks in. And Which is apparently a just a thing she does. It's like if she sees nice houses because her husband. In, in particular, this house, they said she's left multiple notes at this house. Oh, is that what I meant? I thought they meant yeah. you're doing this all the time. My my read of that was that you really like this house and you do it at this okay, house. Okay, that could be. So 
I really wish this next sequence was longer because it had the mm-hmm. potential for some really good comedy. And I think Kathleen Turner would have done a great job with it of she walks in and or she knocks on the door to leave the note and the woman invites her inside. Oops, it's the funeral for the woman who owned the house. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, I, mother had so many friends. And I was like, oh, is she going to have to like look around the room and be like, we met at the like sees a picture of her in a in a baking competition like at the baking club right yeah i wanted more of that i wanted her to have to scramble in this situation and downplay because the woman who's the daughter is like i just want someone to take this house who's gonna love it just as much you know i i don't want to i don't want to go put it on the market and all that stuff and kathleen turner can't be like i'll take it you know they uh-huh. have to she has to be a little cooler but i would like like not a long thing but like if i had had two more minutes of this i would have really enjoyed it i think yeah, and I it's the movie is almost two hours, and you could easily knock ten off this movie. I don't know, like yeah, trim a few out here and there. Yeah, I I mean I totally agree with that. That I think a lot of it you would like. I think you could reuse ten minutes to build Act One and Two with the animosity in a way like a little stronger. That's in, true. In the movie, I, I can, yeah, would be my preference. Like I, I, it didn't feel like a long movie to me, despite the fact that it's close to two hours. There were there were moments where it, towards the end I was like uh, this ending is just Act three does drag a little because bit it was I think because it was so disjarring disjarring jarring just jarring yeah because it was so jarring I was disjointed. like disjointed disjointed yeah that I was like I know I think I was just more aware of the time um, sure but yeah we smash cut to you know they bought the house they have the house already and I was like yeah I yeah. could have I could have used a few minutes of. Kathleen schmoozing this woman and pretending she knows her. Right. And I also think to help strengthen the end of the movie, there would have been, it would have been really good to have a short montage where Kathleen Turner is picking out the furniture and Michael Douglas is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And she's like picking out the plates and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And like, show me the part where Kathleen Turner does pick out all the decorations and does pick out all the furniture and does figure out what color to paint the rooms and does. And Michael Douglas doesn't really give a shit because that's what, Later, the whole thing hinges on that. And I'm like, well, I believe you because I've seen Michael Douglas in this movie, but I would have been cool if I had seen Michael Douglas do the thing you're talking about. But also, I think that would have lent some really cool opportunities for like we see the reality or you can call it Kathleen Turner's truth of like that situation. And then later, when Michael Douglas is complaining to Danny DeVito, we could see flashbacks to like his interpretation of like exactly him being like, yeah, pick whatever is like you pick whatever you want to make this house. Exactly. Like, yes. You read my mind. Like, give me that. <laughs> yep, like he, exactly. he, him with a business contract. That's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And yeah. then like you pick whatever. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think what this movie needs to be is two people who have a radically different interpretation of how their lives have gone and thus both resent each other. But instead what it is, is, she resents him. He doesn't see it and is like, but I love you. I agree. Yes. I think that would make the icky parts of this movie not icky. Yeah. Because I I kind of assumed, we'll get to it later, but um, I assumed and interpreted the movie as like they both are, you know, falling out of love with each other, but they don't want to yes. say it. And then when she finally admits it and he's like, you can't have a divorce. I love you. I was like, oh, whoa, hold on. You what now? Yeah. It very much seems that he thinks that this is what his role was supposed to be in a relationship and she is wanting more. And so, like, I I totally get where she's coming from, but I think you're right. Like, we just don't see enough of it to see. Like, we do see him being 
not great, but he honestly seems like every other depiction of a husband from this era. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's hard as an audience, especially as a modern audience member watching this back is like, yeah, I agree that he's not carrying his weight, but this is what every pop culture depiction of a husband was until like even like Mr. Mom, like yeah, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, right? Mm -hmm. In the first 20 minutes of Mr. Mom, like this seems like he seems like that kind of husband. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there, but not always. Like, and certainly not one hundred percent there all the time. Oh yeah. So she, so she comes in, and like it's it's the montage isn't as as oh as complete as it should be, but it does feel. Again, sorry to keep talking about it. It feels a lot like the opening of Matilda, where Matilda's growing oh, for up. Sure, it does. Like yep. the house has changed. It's literally the uh-huh. same montage of like yeah, Matilda yeah, was yeah. left on her sure. own, and that's the way she liked it. And she went to the yeah. library, and boop a doop. Yeah. It's like yeah. Kathleen Turner puts a bow in her hair and takes and like has a wagon full of books. Yeah, like the house is getting fixed up and looks pretty. Looks you know eighties, you know eighties pretty. So it's very puffy. Yeah. Very puffy, very padded, very ceramic. It's also the kind of house that I have been in many times in my life where you're like, oh, this place feels like a museum. Like, I don't know where I can sit and everything is is lit and on shelves in ways that don't seem like anyone actually lives here. And uh-huh. I'm just like, where do you put your keys? And like, where's your knickknacks and bullshit? And it's like, oh, no, we have nine bowls that are carefully <laughs> arranged in three by three and backlit. It's funny. On on the surface, our grandparents' house looked like that, but it was just like sit, yeah, for sure. sit anywhere. Like there was no, yeah, therefore, yeah. it was always like sit where you sit on the floor, sit on the chair. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, here, underneath the couch is a secret toy for you. The se- like, yeah, it's hidden. Yeah. Your dad's secret toys from when he yeah. was a kid. Yeah. So uh, after that, it's uh, it's also narrated by Danny DeVito, which again feels very much like Matilda, and yeah. it, it's like. Well, now that the kids were going off to college and the house is, you know, what is what is her and the house is finished? Like, what's next? Which, yeah, yeah very empty nester. So she goes. And it's also, we don't ever see all of it, but this house is incredibly big, like enormous. It looks like it's twenty five rooms. Yeah, yeah. So she, way too much house for a family of four with two pets. An absurd amount of house for a couple, an even <laughs> couple. I mean, hey, everyone gets their own wing. Which so from the front, this house looks like very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like there's two balconies on either side, and it's sort of a U shape. And so I thought there was going to be a point where the house was split down the middle, and they each got a balcony, and they were each gonna. There was yeah. a. There, I am shocked there was not a shot of each of them on their respective balconies. You know, whatever. Yeah, because um, they do basically cut the house in half. Yeah. Um. But so she comes in while he's you know being busy businessman. And she's like, hey, the, you know, the Johnsons loved dinner. Mrs. Johnson loved dinner last week so much. She said, uh, I could sell my pate. It's so good. And he's like, and she's like, so I, she paid me $35 for a pound of pate. And at first, Michael Douglas is like appalled that she charged someone for, I'm like, yeah, that's, well, it's, it's a little tacky. I don't think so. Being like, oh my, it's a little tacky of like, all of your stuff is thought of as 
sort of a power play. And he's a little big high powered lawyer who works on people who are, who are getting picked to be cabinet members. Like all of his life is about appearances and keeping up appearances and all that stuff. And so it's like when someone asks for that kind of favor, you don't charge them for it. Like that's unheard of. We're rich asshole people. We don't, we don't, we don't handle dirty money to get pate. Like, come on. What are we commoners? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you. Like, I yeah. think it's completely reasonable for a friend to be like, yeah, it would cost me this much money. And you'd be like, sure, that would be great. But in the world of this movie, it's like a very regular person thing. And Michael Douglas does not think he's a regular person. Very fair. Um, so she's like, I'm going to, I might do it. I might put, like, I might start my own business. And as soon as it's framed as that, I was like, oh, great. Please tell me she turned, it's like a Bette Midler big business. Like she becomes like sure. a, 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 a badass lady in a skirt suit and like power heels. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gets so weird about it. And I was like, I guess yeah, for your point of like, oh, you, you selling is, is so gauche. But like, if it's a business and she's like, I'm going to be a caterer, like I'm going to sell food that I make because I'm good at it. Like, yeah. I don't know. It seems to me that he just is like, we have a lot of money. Why are you wasting your time? Like, we don't need to do this. Yeah. And he does the whole maid thing, because I think he's like trying to guilt her into not doing it. But I'm like, well, I guess we got to get a maid then. Yeah, because so she starts selling. They It's clearly tense. And then he comes in and he's like, if you're going to be doing this, I thought you would want to have some help taking care of the house. I'm trying to make your life easier. And I was like, it's your life, too. Like, you live here. You live right. in this house. Like, don't pretend that, you know, laundry getting done is not something that benefits you. Right, right. I The other thing that I found really weird, and, and maybe you feel differently, so please tell me that I'm a crazy person if you think so, but the actress who plays the maid looks like she could credibly play Kathleen Turner's sibling in a different movie or this movie. Like, they look enough alike. I, I that th- I, like, there's a similarity there. Not like twins. No, but, but, but relatives. Just, they could. They could be. They could be relatives. They could be siblings or cousins or whatever. And I, they, I found it a little distracting, to be honest. With you. It's <laughs> like, it's like, is there going to be like a secret reveal that it's her sister in the whole, been the whole, you know, the whole time or whatever? And then the other crazy thing is this woman is like easily also in her thirties to forties, and she's like, oh, um, and there's nothing wrong with adults going back to school. Like, I'm not trying to dunk, but it's a weird set up for a movie for the character to be like, Oh yes, I'm going to school and learning. And, and I'm also, well, I think the, I, make some money. She has a, a strong accent, which usually is movie shorthand for, I just moved to this country. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, it also, I, it, it kind of has, so this movie kind of has a she devil vibe to it. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah, is the sure. dark cousin, the she, this is she devil's like dark edgy cousin who shops at hot topic. Mm-hmm. So that, it kind of reminded me of the the oh it was the rose the rose uh placement agency in she devil yep. so yeah yeah but yeah it kind of reminded me of like that or this this could have been like a con no what's not conchita worst is a drag queen con conchata she was in uh edward scissorhands and she was the housekeeper in uh two and a half men i know that actress i can't i don't know her name but yes it seemed like People I would will know what you mean. Yeah, I I would have liked this role to have a bit more meat to it. Yeah, like she someone get a lot to do, but then someone a little sassier, someone a little like someone with a little more you know bite to it. I thought could have been could have made this, this better. Kind of a doormat. Yeah, and and I there's a um like one moment where she chimes in with the family that's like 
she didn't want to worry you, but at least your father is safe. And I was like, okay. And later she just leaves. And I was like, well, yeah. hang on. I, th- I What? The whole point is that like, you're here because she works and she's right, still right. working. Right. So I didn't get it. I, I wanted, I wanted a sassier, I mean, that's sort of a trope, but like I wanted a sassier housekeeper. Or just like give this actress more to do. Yeah. So Kathleen Turner's feeding liver to the pets, which I thought was going to lead to the pets having a bathroom or throw up issue. Just, just, just a scene of her feeding them liver. And then we cut to the basement where these absolute psychopaths have a sauna in the basement, which is just like, I know someone who possible. I knew someone who had a sauna in the basement. I've never understood the idea of a sauna. It's the worst possible thing to me. It's just a hot, steamy room. Like, yeah. I, there is nothing I like less than that. That is my literal least favorite thing on the face of planet Earth. Like, of, of all the things, that I, all the places I could be, the worst one is a steamy, hot room. You get a good sweat I'm going. already always sweating. You, I'm like, that's already getting You're always sweaty. Going. That's different. <laughs> You're not Most people aren't always sweaty. Well, it's like, why would you want to just sit in a room to get a good sweat going? What are we talking about here? You're, this is too stupid. This is all this is all weird Swedish business that we just like pretend to do because it makes us seem. You're sweating. You're warming up. It's I get terrible. it. Terrible. And then do you shower right after you get out of there, all lightheaded and shit. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> Definition of insanity. If I go into your house and I see you have a sauna, I'm like, this is a person with whom I have nothing in common. <laughs> sure. Um, I also love this Kathleen Turner monologue we get. Um, While they're at the Batman table? No, 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 no. The one she gives to the maid. Oh, okay. It's this really great monologue about, like, I don't need you. And then goes on to, like, list why she needs her and be like, so, like, every fifth line is like, but I don't need a maid. I don't need a live-in housekeeper, so I won't be hiring you. But my children are moving out and my life has no meeting and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, it's this really great, like, back and forth monologue that ends with, like, let me show you to your room. Mm. And I think that's why I kept finding myself rooting for Kathleen Turner is that the movie gave me so much more of her mind and like her perspective and journey than it did with Michael Douglas that it was much easier for me to be like, yes, Kathleen Turner, you work. I also think that she is the person who is morally right here. She's like, she I is. want a divorce. And he says, no, like, that's not an acceptable answer to that, that statement. I'm sorry. This isn't a negotiation. It's I'm unhappy and I would like to leave. And then it becomes a whole thing because she wants the house. And it's not even that anything vindictive. She gives up all rights to alimony. She's like, I, you know, like I will use this lawyer and stay away from your law firm. You don't have to pay me anything. Just leave me the house and everything in it. And like you make, probably too much money on wall street you can buy another house you can buy a house made of cocaine but i'm sure you do that's the other thing i think this movie really gets wrong is we never see michael douglas have a moment where he's like god i love this house yeah it it doesn't seem like he gives a shit about it it just seems like he wants to win because he's a lawyer who wins you know yeah we're getting ahead of ourselves so this is the next. So right after she gets hired and we see the basement sauna, they're at the the kitchen table and it's a Batman table where they're they're still sitting at opposite heads, but between them is now the the six or eight seats that were there, you know, on each side, three on each side, four on each side, something like that. And so it's just this preposterously far apart 
setup for the two of them. And it really like from, and you know, pushing up the glasses here, it's like, it highlights how far apart they are in their relationship because they're mm-hmm. sitting. And it's like, yes, I, like all that stuff is true, but also it just looks funny. <laughs> it also gives you, I don't think it's now, I think later. Oh no, it is now. There are these really awesome shots of like, it's, it's as if the camera is like sitting on the table, slightly angled up at some, at, like Kathleen Turner's hands facing. So you see these close-ups of her hands cutting the meat or whatever, and then him in the background. And then it flips and it's these close-ups on his hands with her in the background. And there's just something very weird and like it puts you in this space of like, I'm unsettled by like these two clearly are at odds. I don't know why yeah. this shot does this. It's like my weird little lizard brain is like firing off red flags it's definitely it's definitely supposed to do that and i think the interesting thing about it is when you're looking at him through her eyes you're really annoyed and when you're looking at her through his eyes you're oblivious yeah yeah and he conveys he conveys that emotion with the camera movements and the placement and the and the hand acting that the two actors do here it's like michael douglas is just kind of like hum-de-dum-de-dum slicing up my steak and she's like very deliberately like he's not even looking at me he's just cutting the goddamn and it's like all hand acting but you get emotion in it it's Mm -hmm. but both of them it's very good and then she's like did you look over the contract and he's like what contract and she's like the one i gave you last week no the the one for my luncheon that i'm catering he's like i'll look at it this weekend and she's like well i have to sign it tomorrow that's why i gave it to you last week but you know what yeah it's fine i'm sure the contract's fine whatever yeah and then we go immediately from that to the like no no no, i'll read it i'll read it and like you can see the riff there which is really good but there's a fly in the kitchen and he gets annoyed by it and he kills it with her contract and then he's like ha Look at your conquering hero husband. And then walks away without reading the contract. And I was like, oh, you absolute knob. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I think the movie the movie needed to agree with me that he was a villain. Or it needed to paint him a little nicer. Because it's a yeah. weird middle ground. Well, I think it's... Ex- you, you said this earlier, so I'm just repeating it. But the whole movie is kind of from Kathleen Turner's version of events. Yeah. And so... Michael Douglas always seems like the villain and he is not acting like he is the villain. And we needed to see Michael Douglas's POV more than just his hands cutting a steak, mm-hmm. which like, yes, that does convey the like, everything's hunky dory and I have a great life, great wife. Ha ha ha. Look at me. I'm so fancy and rich, but like she's seething all the time. Yeah. And then at dinner, there's a moment where the phone rings and he like jumps up to answer the phone and then the housekeeper gets it first and she's like, are you expecting a call? And I was like, oh, he's cheating on her. He's cheating on her. Yeah. Got it. Because you like in every other movie where that happens, the result is he's cheating on you. And that's right. why he's trying to answer the phone first. But no, no, it's just an important work call. And I was like, OK, well, hang like, wait, if he's the villain, give me the vi- like come like, yes, then put his phone on the table so he can answer work calls right away. Like, I need that. Right. Like, because. It's just this weird muddy ground of like, he's not a particularly evil person. Right. He's just not a good person. And then in the third act, it's like, I don't even oh, know secretly he's I Jeffrey Dahmer. Even, I don't even know if it's not a good person. He's not a good husband. He's not a good partner. I don't yeah. know if he's a bad person. I don't have evidence of that. I have evidence that he's not a good partner with Kathleen yes. Turner. 100%. Okay. Yeah, I see you know, that. That's, but I'm just like, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying it's like, like the movie doesn't give us enough of Michael Douglas being the heel. It's it's a very like you know very odd matchup because she is 
10 out of 10 mad at him and he's just like i don't know i just i'm a i come home and i talk to you and we do you know we read our respective books and we go to bed like what else do you want out of a marriage you put on your hand cream in bed and we go to sleep yeah yeah uh i love this bit where (laughs) he goes to take the phone call and it's like oh, I'm going to get in the other room. And he kind of like motions for her to hang up the other phone for him. Mm-hmm. And her response is to turn on every single appliance and go upstairs. I just, she does hang like, up the phone though. I thought she was going to leave yeah. it off the hook and still like, it's the KitchenAid. It's this, it's the food, it's the food processor. It's some weird. The dishwasher. The dishwasher, the garbage disposal. There's one that looks like a slushy machine with nothing in it. Like a small, like that, a small tabletop slushy machine with nothing I in it. I think it's an ice cream maker. Oh, maybe like with a churner. Yeah, that it was could, my guess that that could be. But yeah, it's which I got flashbacks to She Devil of her blowing up the house with all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's in bed, and he comes. He's like, ah, the I landed the important account, or like what I to dinner tomorrow, lunch tomorrow with the client is set. I'm gonna go to Philadelphia to meet him there, and it's like I, I was like, where are they? That Philadelphia is just that, a quick I jaunt. Had- I had that same problem for the whole movie because Dan DeVito's office is 100% DC. It looks, it overlooks the Capitol. You well, can see the Capitol. Their, their, their apartment from the water, from the crystal scene is in DC. Apparently that's okay. what Wikipedia says. This house is in Potomac. 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 Yeah. Which is Maryland. I don't know. It's I assume where, it's, it's, it's where all the rich people who work in DC live. Oh, cause all the gays do Arlington, Virginia, that's the Northern Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. All the gays do, all the DC gays actually live in Arlington. Yeah. Well, nobody can live in DC. It's extremely expensive. Like, you can't buy a house in DC unless you're extremely rich. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you're extremely rich, you wouldn't want to buy a house in DC. You'd buy a house in Potomac and have like a big, gaudy house with a lot of land. Yeah, exactly. So they're in Potomac, which, what are the three hours to Philly, four hours to Philly? Well, no, it's, it's on the train. Uh, you take a cell and get there in like 90 minutes. Oh, I guess the train. I was picturing driving, but yeah. I mean, maybe he drives, but he doesn't really have a long distance driving car, that little Morgan. <laughs> no. And so this is where I was like, they are really toxic for each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because he comes to bed and he's like, I never looked at your contract. And she's like, it's fine. It's whatever. And he's like, sees it on the table and she runs to grab it and she gets it first. And he's like, she's like, I don't want you to read it anymore. It's fine. And like, he gets snippy. And so she throws it at him. And then he tries to like, play wrestle with her well, like he thinks this is like he thinks this is like cute and she's actually mad and he's not aware yeah i think what i wanted this movie to be was instead of a flashback of danny devito talking to this random stranger it should have been danny devito mediating these two people because then you can get the kathleen turner side of things and then you can see like that's not the way i saw it i thought we were flirting yeah. like I think more. I think that element would really help solidify, like, make this movie more clear. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. It's odd that he's he's Michael Douglas's friend and an acquaintance of Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Um. So he, they start to play wrestle, and she gets mad and like <laughs> crushes a him wicked, like a python. It's a wicked body scissors that she gets in here, just like really. I mean, that's that's my go-to move. My I got noodle <laughs> arms, but I got good legs. It's a vicious body scissors and Michael Douglas, he sells like death. It's really mm-hmm. good, really good sell here. And so she goes to bed. He goes to Philly. Uh, and at first he like goes to raise his arm 
and it hurts. And I was like, oh, it's the pain, like he bruised or sure. whatever. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then all of a sudden, like, he's having a heart attack. And I was like, he is? I was so confused. He's having like, a what? I'm sorry. I know what a heart attack in a movie looks like. And that is you clutch your left arm and you go all pale and sweaty. That This is not what Michael Douglas is doing. Yeah. So he gets to the, he goes to the hospital and the congressman or future congressman, whatever, rushes them into the doctor first. And he's like, I need a paper to write something to my wife. And so he does and they leave and they're like, oh, it turns out you had a you just had a, like a sore throat or whatever. It's it's a little more serious than a sore throat, but it's it's basically like not a huge deal. But I really love you. You've glossed over it. My favorite part of this is there. Michael Douglas is on the gurney and he's all pale and they got like oxygen under his nose and stuff. And then this man comes in holding a, a rag to his belly and they get laid like head to foot. And there's a really good like overhead shot of them where they're like kind of lined up to talk to each other. Almost like mm-hmm. if you ever parked your car opposite of someone else's car to talk cops do it all the time where they yeah. like park facing each other it's they're kind of like that in the hospital gurneys and this man has been stabbed by his wife with a nail file and then the wife comes in she's like oh baby i'm gonna get you a doctor and then she leaves he's like they always regret it right after and i was like okay i i suddenly don't care about this movie and i want to see that movie yeah <laughs> i want that's that would be a fun movie so he writes his little letter and then they're like oh plot twist you're fine and then he keeps being like, where's my wife? Where's my wife? And then we see them call her. Yeah. And she gets the call at as she's like going over the details of the luncheon for her catering company. And she's like, my husband had a heart attack. I have to go now. And then he's like, they're like, we're going to release you. And he's like waiting for his wife. And then he's like mad that she didn't show up. And I was like, well, if you're in Philly, is she supposed to drive down there to pick you up? Like what? I what mean, is the I- expectation? I don't think that's an unreasonable thing, but it is unreasonable to be mad that she has not even called. But it's funny. My brain goes, oh, she hasn't called because she's driving and it's 1989 and there's like, there's, there's no cell phones to be like, right. OMW, like I can't just text OMW and it turns into on my way. You know what I mean? No, I totally get that. But it's like somewhat easy, especially she's not driving there though. Like, Yes, it's reasonable to be like, oh, she's on her way here. And then three hours go by and it's like, well, she's not here. So what's the deal? Yeah. 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 I guess my thought would be like something happened. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like he really needs to hear from her. He's on his deathbed and scary. Is he scared and, and gets he doesn't get that from her. And that's when he kind of turns. And then uh, Danny DeVito shows up and he's like, yeah, I'll wait with you for your wife. And then they just take the train home. And I was like. I'm just very confused. Like, why is Danny DeVito here? Like, he wasn't well, at the yeah. lunch. Right. I I was like, I was doing the math and trying to go like, did he, was he at the lunch and I forgot? No, I no, can't he wasn't at lunch. But I really love Danny DeVito comes back with uh, four bottles of scotch, like but one between each finger joint. And then he like hands those off, pulls us two more out of his pocket. And he's like, I couldn't remember if you wanted to twist. So I got some and he's got lemons in another pocket. And I'm like, I want to hang out. That's with David my, That's my man. Between this and that funny uh, time, he drank too much lemoncello and was still drunk when he got onto the view. I'm like, Danny DeVito is the kind of guy I want to spend more <laughs> he time. He seems with. like a hoot. So he, it's, I guess again, because this movie makes me care more about Kathleen Turner the whole time. I was like, she's probably driving. Like now that he's home, yeah. she's probably, she probably got to the hospital and was like, where is my husband? Right. Right. 
Because, again, there's no timestamps, so I didn't know how long he was there waiting. Which, like, I assume if you were able to catch a train back to, you know, back home, that it's not that late. Right. It seems like nighttime the same day of the heart incident. Yeah. And so he gets home and does his own thing, and then he hears the door open, and she runs in, and she's like, I do have no idea how glad I am to see you. And I was like, yeah, that's a woman who was worried for you. Right. And so, like, the kids are mad that she didn't tell them. And she's like, I didn't want to worry you until I knew nothing was wrong. And then she found, she's like, I called the hospital. You're fine. Like, you had indigestion. Like, you're good, dude. Yeah. Um, and then he's mad because he's like, oh, well, I thought I was dying. And I was like, well, when did the hospital tell you you weren't? It feels like that's normally a, a quick, <laughs> an early oh, on I, thing I, of I like. Totally, I totally disagree here. Like, I largely in this movie kathleen turner is not the person who is doing the wrong thing in this instance get on the goddamn phone to your husband like he thought he was dying he's fine you should have a conversation with him to be like i was so worried i'm so glad you're okay let him hear your fucking voice like clearly it was stressful no i but, disagree strongly but no, that. my thing is also behavior. that that like he said he thought he was dying, but the hospital would have, the second they found out you weren't having a heart attack, they would have been like, hey, you're not having a heart attack. Like, you're you're going to be fine. It was nothing wrong with you. So it, to me, feels also like he is, because she says, oh, I called and spoke to a nurse, and they told me you didn't have a heart attack. You had indigestion. So I knew you were fine. And so, like. Yeah, but why is the follow-up not like, okay, can I talk to him? Because she doesn't love him anymore. Right. I know that. But I'm saying like (laughs) from his perspective, he doesn't know that information. And so he's like, I thought I was dying. I go rush into the hospital and then I'll find out you called the hospital and didn't even bother to be like, well, can you put him on so I can at least say hello to him? Yeah. I just it seems to me uh, kind of douchey of him like to be like, well, I thought I was dying. Yeah. But, you know, you like shortly after that, you knew you weren't dying. So. I don't know, man. I think it's crazy that you're defending her on this 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 particular action. This is shitty. This is shitty. I I yes, but it to me what he does next feels shittier. She punches him. No, no, no. He reads the note. Yeah. He's like, "Well, while I thought I was dying, I wrote you this note." And he like proceeds to read this like it's which all this is is power hungry like I'm going to get have the upper hand by sh- like make you feel shitty like it doesn't feel like nothing he does feels like it comes from a place of i love you and i'm hurt it feels like it comes from a place of i can hold this over you do you know what i mean i think that's why i'm defending her i understand what you're saying in principle but i do not like i did not read this scene this way because you have to remember he still loves her i think like all the way to the end of this movie he still loves kathleen turner yeah yeah but again to him love is seems to be power based maybe i don't know i i feel like he was he's really hurt here and he's like trying to illustrate the way he's hurt because he's like look how like i was so afraid i wrote this crazy note like let me read this note to you see i did i didn't read it as that it read to me as like i was so sad here my sad thoughts like it felt like a sad kid on tumblr of like i didn't get that at all yeah i read it i read it as like Oh, I'm going to show you like you're going to feel bad for this because look at look at this. Look how sweet I am. Aren't I sweet? Don't you feel bad that you weren't there because I'm such a good person? Like that's how it read to me. So I would like you to put this this situation on yourself. Just just 
just just for a second because I like I just this is bonkers to me. You think you're you think you something is seriously wrong with you. You go rushing to the hospital. Your partner contacts the hospital. They tell him you're fine. They don't get in touch with you at all. You get no text. You get no conversation whatsoever. Well, texting you wasn't a thing. Well, well, I'm putting it into 2021 terms. You get discharged from the hospital and you come home and your partner's like, like, hey, heard, heard you had a day, huh? You're not like fucking furious. I would be off the off the charts, man. Like, I can't even imagine. Yes, I would be mad. But his performance to me reads as opera, like power, like 80s sleazeball Do you, like it, it to okay. me it read as that yeah i think you're conflating wall street michael douglas with this movie michael douglas a little bit he's but not there, gordon gecko in this movie yeah but he, he's but gordon gecko is like who he aspires to be Do you know I, what i mean i honestly i honestly don't know that i agree with you with that i do think he's like a guy who wants to be very powerful and he wants to be thought of as like a rich powerful man with a lot of agency i don't i don't see him as evil as you do like i think his crime is being a bad husband and neglectful but i don't think that's like worthy of murder well no but he also tries to murder her so like no i'm talking about right now he does other things further in this plot that certainly i'm not absolving him of any guilt or crimes in this movie because he acts like a maniac very shortly but i'm just saying like right here i'm like there's something about something about this about his performance that's how it read to me as i'm especially on his side here because the way that dane devito like lights this scene with a sort of morticia adams light you talked about she's completely indifferent to this like she doesn't care that he was really frightened she doesn't care that he thought he was gonna die she doesn't care that he had like a really shitty day she has like she just absolutely does not care one iota and it's because she doesn't love him anymore and that's but i i don't i don't i think it goes beyond that she doesn't care it's that this was her first real like I think this is the first time she's admitted to herself that she doesn't love him today. Probably. Because later in like five minutes, she says in like they're in bed and she's like, you know, I didn't I I couldn't figure out why I didn't go to the hospital. And then as I was driving, like pulling onto the expressway, I, you know, got so scared that thought of being alone in this house, blah, blah, blah. And she goes in this, this whole monologue and then. So then she's like, and then I realized it's because I was scared of how happy that thought made me. And so to me, it was like, this was, she is out, like, it sort of reminded me of the way people describe a lot of coming out stuff of like, I've just said that to myself. I said that out loud for the first time ever. Oh my God, what does that mean? And then like, she is sort of detached from herself and the world because she's like, I now have to say it to someone else. I have to say it to him that like, hey, I want a divorce. Do you know what I mean? I I do. I do understand what you're saying. I just like I said, I don't think Michael Douglas is the villain in this scene. But that's that's me. Um, We we see that the kids are home. One of them is Sean Astin, which is always a nice little treat. Um, Then they have this big, big fight that you're talking about. Uh, She she did you notice him up? Oh, yeah. Good. uh, Mine's later. Go ahead. Uh, she like literally sticks her fingers in his nostrils. He's snoring to wake him up to tell him that he she wants a divorce. Which is like I cannot imagine worse <laughs> way to get that information. You're sound asleep. Somebody violently wakes you up and then is like, "I don't want to ever see you again." Yes. Um, <laughs> but she straight up Michael Myers sits up in bed and says, "I want a divorce." Yes. <laughs> it was just like that image is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. This this bit here with the two of them is like 
10 out of 10 angry, you know, heightened emotion <clears throat> kind of thing. Hard to keep control of yourself as an actor in that way. Both of them tip top of their game. This oh, is yeah. like a real heavyweight matchup in terms of that. And I was literally writing a note like, wow, this is a really heavyweight matchup. Like both of them are really bringing it here, really throwing like haymakers, just like great. And then she actually punches him. And I was it like, was oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I loved it. And so they cut to their divorce proceedings where the guy is like, she is waiving her right to alimony. She, like your children will be 18 next year. So there's next to no child support that you have to pay. Like all literally the only thing she wants in this divorce is the house and what's in it. Yeah. That's it. Although it, it, there is an interesting moment where, uh, <laughs> Michael Douglas is like, and my clothes. And there's like a real waiver on whether or not he's allowed to No, have he, those. it's not like the, the lawyer goes, uh, the only thing she's like, Oh, you, she wants uh, everything in the house except, you know, your personal grooming stuff, whatever, and yeah, yeah. his clothes. And then it cuts to her. <laughs> yeah, there's the pause of like, yeah, he can have those. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if they, I bought those too. And so he is like, absolutely not. That's my house. My Those are my things, blah, 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 blah. And then I love this. I thought this was such a, this felt like very drag race of like, Oh, let me show you some receipts. You're going to say this? Let me let me roll the footage of what you said earlier of why that's not true. Yeah, I thought this was pretty sh- like uh, he do- he clearly is speaking emotionally in this note and not of physical possessions and it like it feels to me that like in an actual court this would get laughed out of the room. I mean, it's a signed document. Yeah, but the signed document says everything I have is because of you. That's clearly a metaphor. Like that's uh, yeah, but like a lawyer, he is a, a, a an attorney. Whatever. Michael he, Douglas is a lawyer. No, that's what I mean. Like he is a lawyer, and he like so a signed document I, from a lawyer could have some weight. I think this is movie bullshit. Like I'm sorry. I think it's good for the movie. I think it, it makes sense and propels the story forward in a way that makes. I loved great it. I thought it was storytelling logic. Yes, I agree. But it's like in the real world, this is a joke. But yeah, he sort of was like, no, she can't have the house. And then the lawyer reads the note. And then he he is rude to the lawyer and is like, let me talk to my bitch of a wife. And he's like, I would I what did he say? I may have let you have the house, but now not a chance. And I was like, you already said no. Like she asked for it. You said no. And so she pulled this out. You can't pretend to be like, well, I was waffling. Well, I think he's straight up. No, is like, but right. But it's like he is aware this is a negotiation. So he's like, no, let's talk further. And then she pulls this and he's like, well, fuck you then. I'm going scorched earth, too. But there was no to me, there was no rebuttal of no, she can't to the rebuttal. But like if to me, if you're going to say like he's Mr. Hotshot lawyer, you know, he like to my in my brain, like, yeah, he's going to be like, no, you can't. No, you're not keeping the house. But like you can have X, Y and Z. Like, he would have had a rebuttal. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think you're asking a lot of someone to hear the demand and immediately have a counterattack, other than to just say, no, I'm going to have to come up with a rebuttal to this. Like, I, I will come up with an offer, but I that's that's fine. Like, I, I just don't think I don't think it's necessarily fair to think that he should have that just on tap to be like, OK, no, here's what I'm going to counter with. I don't know, it, but it, it didn't. Fe- there was no no but you know what i mean there was like yeah, yeah it just yeah. felt like she can't have the house because i want the house because she and i yeah. want it because she wants it right it That's didn't what it didn't feel like it didn't feel like no we can come up with something else it felt like no period i, I mean that's like that's my main beef with this whole movie is 
Michael Douglas is so uh, incensed by the fact that she would use this note against him. Like this to him represents him at his most vulnerable. And now she's using it to try to take everything from him or the house, I guess not everything clearly. Um, that's what leads him to go scorched earth. And I just like that. That's the part that doesn't compute to me. Like it needs to be built a little better. And, and frankly, if it's, that he doesn't care about the house except that she wants it. And so he wants to screw her out of it. That's fine. But that's not super well conveyed. And if it's not that, it's like, I also love this house. Then I need to see him love this house. Yeah, I, I don't believe that he loves the house at all. Right. I think to him, the house represents his happy family life that doesn't exist anymore. And so he's like clawing to keep it. Yeah, I really, I, I know, I, sorry to be a broken record. I, this movie needed more Michael Douglas perspective to right, be agreed. more successful. It either, yeah, it either needs to be like, because now it's like a 75% dial it needs to be firmly in the middle or firmly on the Kathleen Turner side because it's a weird, it's a weird almost. Yeah. So he meets with Danny DeVito who pulls out this legal book. That's like this old clause that says that you can both cohabitate and Michael Douglas can move out of the shitty motel that he's living in. So he moves back into the house and he's like, just avoid her. Just like be there, have your own lives, live separately. The house is enormous. This shouldn't be a problem. And we cut to Christmas time and it's the tension is so heavy in this scene. Like kudos to all of the actors involved here. It's not just Douglas and Turner. It's the kids and the maid as well. And they're like decorating the tree. She's in this amazing red jumpsuit. It's just like Christmas red jumpsuit. And I was so here for it. So the lights go off and the tree doesn't look right. And she's like, oh, it must be a short. And he's like, no, I'll figure it out. And then he breaks. Well, he put she puts. uh, We didn't mention it. She had made. Back when they were like, quote unquote, poor with the, with yeah. their young twins, she made this like tinfoil and cardboard star to go on top of the Christmas tree. And he was like very yeah. derisive about it, even when they were poor. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, the w- to be clear, this is charming as hell if a kid does it kind of cute if two adults with no children do it together. A little perplexing to me uh, with the mother of two doing it on her own as an arts and crafts project. I have to like, I'm not trying to dunk, but it is really not very good looking. Right. Like, right. But they were poor. Right. But like, get the kids involved. Like, then it's a cute family thing. Like the idea of Kathleen Turner staying up late to cut cardboard into a star shape and cover it with tinfoil is like, this is bad. Like, like if, at least if you gave the kids some Crayola crayons and let them go to town on this thing, it's like a charming piece of family heirloom artwork, right? I guess. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with the star. But as they're decorating, the daughter hands her the angel for the top of the tree and is like, you're up and over her shoulder michael douglas is at the ladder on top on the top of the tree and she goes oh can you hand me that bag and i was like i was like i really hope she's just like killing time to let michael douglas get down the ladder so she doesn't have to like look at him that's what i thought we were going for but no she pulls out the like janky ass silver star and puts that on she's apparently kept and never put on the tree for 20 years no 10 years the kids were uh, like five it about about ten years. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's a crazy person's thing. It's her house. So the this culminates with the kids are like, "Well, you guys are insane. I don't want to be around you. We're leaving." And then the daughter's doing some heavy petting in a in car her in own driveway. Yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, parents are oblivious. They don't care. I know, but like that just seemed. I was like, in your own driveway, really. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it's not making out. It's it's like Titanic esque steamed. Yeah, it it's uh it's it's a steamed broccoli situation. Closer off. Yeah, there. Yeah, and she there's there like to the point where she smooches against the window and she's like that's like looking at the house with a you know expression of like that's weird and then goes oh my god the house is on fire they go running in the trees just totally engulfed mm-hmm. and then Michael Douglas gets the fire extinguisher and like doesn't know, know pass like, yeah it's like I guess 1989 like there's not as much. Like, how many times have you seen a character use a fire extinguisher in a movie or television? Like, hundreds, right? Easily? Mm-hmm. It looks like he's never seen a fire extinguisher before. <laughs> he's holding it, like, with two hands up in the air as if it's this bizarre tiki idol or something. <laughs> Fertility <laughs> idol. He's like Indiana Jones with a bag of sand. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it's a fire extinguisher, and, man. And then he's like, danger. Contents under pressure. Flammable if incinerated yeah. do not in, do not puncture and i was like okay i understand Skip ahead like <laughs> not everyone knows pass like that's i feel like it's something they only recently started teaching in like work training i've pull, never heard that acronym pull before, aim squeeze and sweep yeah it, it makes sense yeah i i without even you describing it i was like well pull aim i don't I, yeah I, I didn't get to squeeze i thought it was shoot but still same thing pull aim squeeze and sweep back and forth it just reminded me of the time when the toaster caught fire in our house and everyone <laughs> forgot about the fire extinguisher until after <laughs> when I was like, guys, the fire extinguisher is under the sink. Or the time that the grill caught fire and I was like, fire extinguisher! And nobody knew where it was and then dad came in missing a lot of arm hair. <laughs> oh, was that? Oh, down the, I wasn't there at like that time. Two years ago. Oh. I yeah, wasn't I was, there because was... it was arm hair and wasn't it Almost eyebrow, eyebrow, but not so bad. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want to have the hard part. But yeah, it was like the there was a pinhole prick in the line from the gas tank to the to the grill. Jesus, like the, the line, the hose got cracked, and so I was like looking out the window, and I saw Dad at the grill, and then I saw a fire, like a fireball, and I was so like, it was oh, God. that scene in uh, Christmas Vacation where the not quite is the it's. Uh, <laughs> You know not what I'm quite about. as funny because I thought our dad was gonna get killed. Yes. So it was more like, oh god, oh god, oh god. But it was like, fire extinguisher, where's the fire extinguisher? And then we were all kind of scrambling, and I was like, it must be under the sink. And in the time it took me to like scream about it, he while being He had attacked, already disconnected the line. Well, he that's what he did, but <laughs> he, he disconnected the line, he did it. called the fire department, put out the fire, bandaged his own <laughs> no, arms. He was like, the thing was, it, like, ima- like you know the hose, right? That yeah. connects the tank. Imagine that it just starts spitting. It's like a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, well, but the problem was the tank got hot. So he was burning his hand to close the valve. So he had to go like, turn out, turn out, turn out. And, t- and so he burnt his hand. It was bad. It was I was being good. facetious put about our fire, father. Put a fire extinguisher next to your grills, folks. If you're Not listening, next to, next to, but like, close. <laughs> when you're grilling, have a fire extinguisher available. But anyway, um, so he finally puts the fire out and then he goes right into like hands on the hips. Uh, what was what was that movie we watched recently that I was talking about how much I like this type of character? That's just like completely unearned confidence, but just being like, oh, I don't know. He puts, he puts the hands on the hips and he's like, uh, don't worry, everybody. I've taken care of it. It like turns the like spikes the camera and his tooth glints kind of. Yeah, thing. I'm trying to think who. It was recent because I was talking about how that was ba- the basis of my D and D character. It's not that important. Yeah, and so 
Kathleen is just like, if looks could kill, he would be dead on the floor. Of because she said it oh, was big trouble in Little China. That's what it is. Because she when when it blinked, she said it must be a shorted fuse. Right, right. And he goes, he says, no, an ornament, an ornament touching a light bulb, it's fine. And so she's like, oh, I guess um, it wasn't an ornament touching a light bulb. And he's like, I th- you could have been right. You know, no, he, he says that. And she goes, well, you're always right. And just like withering glare and walks away. <laughs> I love that she, she mentions it earlier in the movie, but this is the first time we see it, that she was like, I traded in the Volvo for a crazy four by four. And it's just like a bizarre car that it's, she wants. It's got like jacked up mud It racing feels like tires. the car that uh, the neighbor would drive in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, for sure. It's or like Biff a big Cannon's car. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very much that of like or you know what you know, you know what it is? It's it's grandpa's car from The Lost Boys. Oh yeah, it is. It, totally it is 100% grandpa's yeah. car from The Lost Boys. Weird choice for a cater for a woman who's like I'm going to start a catering business. Like right, you right. would think a, a van like something with a lot of room in the back for your stuff. Or something elegant looking to meet with clients that instead of like. <laughs> Although the idea, <laughs> the idea of like, oh, my, I, I'm I, I'm meeting with the caterer for my wedding. Her husband is a Wall Street lawyer, and she decided to open her own catering business. And then this monstrosity pulls up, and then Kathleen Turner steps out. Like that to me <laughs> just would yeah. be the best. Oh, for sure, for sure. They also have there's a like, secret. You, there's like. Crystals, crystal glassware banging around. In the <laughs> yeah, rattling. Uh, they also have a secret coat closet in this house, which I love. Oh, yeah. She like bangs on it in the right spot and it opens up. She pounds on the wall and I was like, oh, she mad. And then the panel like pops open like those medicine cabinets you push. And yeah. I'm like, secret coat closet. And then this is where he's like, look, if you give up the house, I will pay you. First, he says $163,800, and she's like, where did that come from? And he's like, that's what we pay the housekeeper. You do the same thing, right? And I was like, whoa. Well, no, it's not that's what we pay the housekeeper. That's what we have pay the housekeeper annually times the number of years we've lived in this house. Well, because later- Wow, you don't pay your housekeeper enough. Later, he says, I triple, I I think- I tripled it or something. He eventually says I tripled it and it gets up to like half, half, 400, $490,000, 4,900. Wow. I can't, I can't math. It's My, almost $500,000. 490,633. I wrote down the exact number. I wanted to use it. And it's just like, it feels like, again, like he's basically saying, oh, you're that, you're the same as a housekeeper, right? And so. Well, he's saying you're. Th- I'm tripling the value of what we've paid the housekeeper to uh, to equate to the amount of money and e- or the amount of time and effort you put into making this house. Which honestly, this house is probably worth like 1.2 million dollars. So it's basically half, which seems like not that unreasonable. See, I di- I don't remember him phrasing it of like all the time it put to because he doesn't give her credit for making that he. In his eyes, he picked the furniture. He picked all the shitty, tacky ceramic statuary that people loved in the 80s. The both of them love. They are like maniacs for these ugly statues. It's a it's a weird it's a weird thing that was big in the yeah. 80s. Um my favorite so- part is 
right after this, he's going to meet with Danny DeVito and he's like, oh, we've decided to divvy up the house and he's got the blueprints and he's like, the green areas are, are shared common areas and this part's mine, this part's yours. And it cuts to Danny DeVito and he's like, this this plan seems rational to both of you, huh? Yeah, I, that was my favorite. I wrote that line down. Favorite line in the whole movie. It's just like a perfect line reading. So it cuts to the next night and the housekeeper tries to get a sleeping pill from Kathleen Turner and she's like, this is for my husband so no um and then one thing leads to another her cat gets out the dog gets out and then he hits her cat and i was like didn't let it felt really icky that this (laughs) i don't know why it was it was an odd it's like the this is the point where the movie turns to be a very different movie like he kills this cat which like you can kill a cat in a comedy like you can kill a cat in a funny way this cat doesn't get killed in a funny way yeah and then he's like go get a ziploc bag for me to put the cat corpse in and he doesn't even tell kathleen turner what happened well, which literally that's, it, that's the, the part the where scene, he becomes the scene ends with him getting a hose to spray off his tires and making the housekeeper take the ziploc bag into the backyard yeah like there's like just yeah nothing this is where you're irredeemable like if you kill someone's pet you have to immediately go tell them what happened and be profoundly sorry for what you did or you aren't sorry period Mm -hmm. because later he's like we haven't passed the point of no return and i was like you did you passed the point of no return like 40 minutes ago when you killed her cat right right um because he straight up hides it from the next day he sees her looking for the cat and like hides and then tries to sneak to his car and she's like have you seen it and he's like uh no bye he lets it go for a whole day she's still looking for the cat at the nighttime, and he's like well whatever <laughs> and then she like so he it cuts she, she's looking for her cat outside and it cuts to him in his sauna and i was like if she found the cat's body and hid it in the sauna i'm going to lose my mind Oh, that because would be too gross. <laughs> my brain, my gross. brain keeps like kept like going further than this movie wanted to. Right, right. So, because it's like a close up on his face in the sauna. I was like, he's about to be like, <sighs> and she was gonna like lock it, like be like, oh, have you found? Have you seen my oof, cat? Oof. Yeah, that's too dark for this. I think not for the third act of this movie. <laughs> they don't get to cat in the sauna dark. They get dark, but that is another step. It's on par with Freddy Krueger would see that and be like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing here? (laughs) Let's not get crazy. Maybe. Um, So she's like, I think, you know, what? like, come on. Animals have like some dignity to them. You're being you're being gross. (laughs) He kills the dog in the in the one. Yeah, He kills the dog. He doesn't put the dog's mangled corpse in a sauna for someone else to be steamed with. That's like a whole level <laughs> beyond the pale. <laughs> Even I have <laughs> limits. Jesus. Um, so she's like, I know you did something to my cat or you know what happened to my cat. And he's like real smug about it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so she's like, fine. And she na- she she hammers a bunch of tools into the doorframe of his sauna and she traps him in there. And she I was like, him in there. go you, Kathleen. It's like also a great cut from like, he tries to get out. He can't. He's all covered in sweat. He lays down and immediately cuts to her throwing onions into a pan and they're all sizzling. So like he as he falls, it cuts to her cutting. And when she throws them into the pan, it like closes up on the sizzle and then cross cuts to him in the sauna. And it reminded me of that scene in Devil Wears Prada, which 
I get. I don't know why that happens to keep coming up on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, you only make references to Devil Wears Prada. We're not doing that in <laughs> Leap Day 2023. No, we're doing we're doing Poseidon Adventure. It, clearly. But that is the scene, at the end of the great scene where she does the um, Cerulean monologue, she's like from a pile of stuff and she like glares at the ugly shoes. And as she does, we hear the sound of a sizzle and it cuts to the actual frying pan that her boyfriend's making a grilled cheese mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's like the opposite of that moment. I love this hard cut right after that too. Michael Douglas is chugging Gatorade in his law office and it's Gatorade in a glass bottle, the glass which bo- I've never seen before. It seems like the worst idea. Like the second someone invented a plastic, they were like, yep, yeah. get it out of here. <laughs> this, the, the thing that's supposed to be jostled around in a sports bag and on sports sidelines. Yeah. No wonder everybody drank it out of big coolers in the sporting world. Like, <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Honestly, they could have been like, well, the plastic bottles have a 17% chance of exploding. And like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Still better than very heavy Fill them with salty juice. And it's 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 like a thick glass too. It's like it a, is a heavy boy. like a like a like a like a milkman milk yes. bottle. Yeah, uh, we cut to Michael Douglas cutting the heels off of her shoes after after the office business. So there's yeah, he's in the office and his boss comes in and he's like, "You look a little haggard," and he's like, "I'm fine. I'll take a break after the con- the congressional hearing or whatever Senate." The Senate confirmation? It's a Senate confirmation, yeah. And then his boss goes, maybe you should take some time off before that. And I thought we were going to get somewhere of like, this is affecting his job now. And da 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 Right, right. Because then he saws off the heels of all of her shoes. And I was like, that seems like destruction of property. Definitely. You are now antagonizing your wife uh, when you have to be cohabitating peacefully in order to live under the same roof with this law. Right, and the the other part of it that really stinks, especially because all three of them, I believe, are in Romancing the Stone, right? Dan DeVito's in that too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so do you know the famous thing of Romancing the Stone with the high heels? No. Okay, so I've never seen the movie. The only thing I know... Did this ha- doesn't this happen this in it? Right, so he takes a machete and just like whoosh, whoosh, chops the heels off of her shoes and then she can like magically walk in the jungle in them. This came up a lot during Jurassic World when... People Bryce don't understand how shoes work. Like, well, has, have yes. movie writers never seen a shoe? Well, I mean, they're mostly men, so probably not. But it came up a lot in Jurassic World because Bryce Dallas Howard was talking about how stupid that was. Like, she made the point you did. And then everybody else, myself included, were like, sure, but your job is such that you should probably have a pair of sneakers in your desk and have changed into them. You're tromping through the woods and running out running a goddamn T-Rex in high heels. Like, come on! Yeah. yeah. So, uh... I, I watched this scene and I'm like, oh my God, some drip has put this on IMDb as a piece of trivia that like, oh, this is actually the same thing as Michael Douglas says the Kathleen Turner shoes in uh, Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Guess what's the number two piece of trivia I mean, on that's, IMDb? And I, I, the only reason I knew that is because I read the trivia of IMDb. That's not trivia. Why not? Just that a thing happens in two movies. Okay, with the same but actors. it's not. It's not, not like. It's not like this character. The like, you know Natalie Portman plays a character with brunette hair in Black Swan too. It's like this very specific moment of sawing the heels off of a high heel shoe happens also in this other movie well, starring the same saw actors. Them off. He doesn't saw them off. He uses a machete. It's like either a, way. I just feel like it's not trivia and it's stupid and. 
to me, the fact that the same actor cut off the did the same action of cutting a heels off a shoe for the same actress in a different movie that seems that seems trivia. I disagree. That's not trivia. Anyway, we cut to her in Dana DeVito's office, and he's like, "Let me, let me, uh, let me tape this conversation." And he pulls out this Gigunda tape recorder with an attached microphone, and I'm like, "Hey, first is a podcaster." <laughs> yeah, right. It's got the the big the big wheels the big reels mm-hmm. of of tape, like a re- yeah the reel to reel high eight or whatever they were called. But uh, she immediately, despite the fact that he's recording this conversation, is like, "How about I fuck you, Danny DeVito? Well, what would you think about that?" She offers to pay him, and he's like, "That's illegal." Like looking at, yeah. and they both like look at the microphone. I sh- I don't think she verbally says like, "Let me let let's fuck." Yeah, it's like there's something I could do. There's something else. I Is could there do something other than like other than paying you? Is there anything I yeah. can do? Because she gets on the table and kicks off. Because she's like, I remember what you're into. You, you three foot tall weirdo. And she like kicks <laughs> off. She kicks off her heel and like puts her foot in his crotch. And he's like, he's, I think he's like, I haven't been into feet since the eight since eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. And she's on the floor. He like knocks her to the ground. And like, will you stop this? This is you can't. We can't do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's an impressive kip up from whoever the stunt person is. Yeah, because she's yeah, like yeah. she's like on the ground, like sitting like a mermaid. And he was like, button up and let's stop this. And she's like, all right. And she just kip ups to her <laughs> to her feet. It's it's so silly. There's like five moments where her gym her gymna- gymnast background pops in is like extremely relevant. It's so that has to be something from the book, right? Like. I honestly to put this in the the to be like, what if we made her a gymnast seems like the weirdest choice for a movie. Yeah, especially it's like the only other evidence we see is she does a handstand earlier, which like while impressive is not all that. Like I know many people who do yoga that can do those. Yeah, I can't. I'm I'm jealous, but just yeah. So Sean Astin's leaving for college and his dad's like, I made you some sandwiches for the road. And like it literally looks like he just smeared pate between bread with like chives yeah, they're the th- they're the thinnest sandwiches like bread is touching bread on more than 50 percent of the sandwich yeah, which is not a, a sandwich. it's weak it's a weak game and sean astin's like i'm good i'm gonna leave and oh because he's like i want to talk to you about relationships don't get mm-hmm. into it with your heart with don't don't let your emotions get like help you decide on a relationship and i was like well that's that should be what <laughs> helps you decide a relationship yeah that's sort of the whole deal there daddy dougie and so Sean Aston's like, I'm not going to screw things up like you. Don't put your shit on me. And he's like, hey, come on now. And he's like, you're an at Like, we all see it. <laughs> yeah, he's just and like, then, not interested in this divorced dad, sad business. And then his and then Michael Douglas is like, what do you want to take a swing at me? Would that make you feel better? Go ahead. And I was like, is someone else going to punch Michael Douglas in this movie? <laughs> I thought really we were, like to watch Michael. Douglas I thought we were going to get a rule of three of like. He was going to punch him, and then his daughter was going to punch. Like, I thought we were going to stack him up. <laughs> uh, so we send the kids off, and we cut back to DeVito's and office. And the housekeeper. I didn't get why the housekeeper, oh, the housekeeper left, too. too. Like, the, I think the idea was, like, okay, if it's just the two of us, we're going to, like, sit down. We're going to figure this out. Like, figure, we're going to make a, make a deal and figure this out. Even though neither of them is going to concede, so I don't know what the, the point is. But it seems like they're basically like, why don't you all leave? So we can have a Thunderdome. <laughs> it does. It does feel. I, I I wish the third act of this movie felt more premeditated, like Home Alone. 
Yes. Like I, we're, we're like half a step away from Kathleen Turner pull, pulling a ski mask over her face and going like, you're going to beg for forgiveness and I'll whisper, no, because you're not locked. I'm not locked in here with you. You're, you're locked, locked in, in here, here with, with me. me. And those bars don't keep the world Rorschach. out. Yeah. She just starts like Rorschachin him with a pipe is what Ugh. I thought was about to happen. Is he in the TV show? Uh, no, the TV show takes place after the other stories. Okay, because I really hated him. In the, like, I thought he was, his there character, is, I hated. There is a Rorschach presence on Analog. the show. No, it's cooler than that. I, I can't recommend that TV show enough. I, I will get into it eventually. I just there is There is not that character that you don't like. I have to finish as, being disappointed by Lucifer before I, before I start another show. Yeah, forget that. This show is like eight episodes and it all wraps up, or ten episodes maybe, but it all it's a one season, one and done, like a perfect okay. piece of event television. There's no long-term commitment. You can, you can slide right in there today and be on your way next week. I do. Okay, I, that's very appealing because there's a lot I have a lot left of Lucifer, and it's I keep being disappointed. Yeah, no, that's that. I'm any anytime I see a show is like actually concluded in two seasons, like not like they got canceled, but it's like nope, we had a two season idea and we executed it. And I'm like, yes, that one, please. Anyway, did you catch this? We cut back to Dan DeVito's office. Like we keep cross cutting for him telling the story and then seeing the story, and this like very fake helicopter goes by for no it reason. It goes by a bunch. It, it goes by a couple like, times. It's it makes absolutely no sense. It's like I guess it's supposed to add realism to the movie, but it's like this isn't a movie about like the hubbub and hustle of Washington D.C. It's just this like divorce. I assumed story. it was actually just in the shot. No, because if you look closely, this is definitely a fake window. It's like the the Capitol is a painting, and then there's a bunch of fake plants huh. in the intro. No, that, life. I didn't catch that. I just assumed it was just in the take. No. It, it, if I'm wrong, I've never been more convinced that something was like Fake. backdrop in miniature. Yeah. Um. So Michael Douglas is in Danny DeVito's office, and he's like, "She's having a, a black tie dinner party, and the the a New York Times food reviewer is going to be there." But she told me that she gave me this bogus thing that there was an exterminator there, and uh, I bet she's trying to steal my shit, and se- she's she's stealing my tacky ceramic figurines to to fund her operation. And I was like, "Yeah, you." You killed her cat and destroyed all of her shoes. Right. Uh, feels like this bargaining, this scale is you got no not to tipping in your favor. Also, just to save the tweets, you keep setting this movie in New York City, but it's definitely the Washington Post food critic, and he definitely doesn't oh, work on Wall right. Street. He definitely works on K Street. He's definitely a lobbyist. I'm just just fixing it because look, I live here now. I know the truth. I got to tell people. Here's the thing: '80s businessmen, pretty much all the same. No, I'm just, I just, people are going to tweet and I don't want them to be like, her, 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 it's not New York. Like, I know that. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. I also definitely thought this was going to be a double fake out and that the dinner party was elsewhere and the house really yes. was being bug bombed and he was going to like yes. hide himself in, in a closet. That would have been much funnier. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would have liked it a lot more of like, he's in the closet and he's like, what's that smell? And then the house is full of green gas and he has to like run through the circus tent. Yeah, I would have loved that. And she's there with a she's there with a camera. Yeah. Click 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 click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all right, I'll publish these photos. Like you're going to look like an idiot in front of all your high-powered lawyer friends. 
But no, it's he comes in in a in a top hat and a disgusting sweatshirt and the the dinner jacket with tails, which like the look is very funny. <laughs> it's but a he fun is look. Nightmare. He's he's like, oh, I'm sick, and he like coughs on a person, and then he blows his nose and puts it in the soup, and he's like. I'll be right back. I gotta go piss on the fish. And I was like, well, what's that mean? And we go to the kitchen. It means no, it's exactly, exactly what he said. It's what it says on the tin. <laughs> I just, this was so aggressive and in front of people, including a Washington Post food reviewer. So like, right. it's very easy for this Washington Post food reviewer to be like, well, I would have enjoyed the meal if this man from this law firm hadn't come yes. in and pissed on the fish. <laughs> like, right, right. Boom, right. you're done. Right. Like this doesn't reflect poorly on Kathleen Turner. This And it doesn't. And then this this part here is really good too, where she comes in, she's like, I would never have humiliated you in front of an important meeting like this. Like this is beyond this is beyond the rules of the war that we are having. This is ridiculous. Which I and thought then, was good. I thought she was right exactly. Yeah. Right. And then he he takes it literally because he's in the process he's opened the oven door and peeing on the fish. And he says, it's "You, a, it's a really big fake prop fish too, like very <laughs> fake looking. I love it very much. Like I expected Chef Louis to come out and like yeah, take exactly. it off. <laughs> Sebastian the crab. Like <laughs> He's great, gonna stuff Sebastian board. the yeah. crab just yeah, off screen. Exactly. Sebastian's getting yeah. stuffed with breadcrumbs. Yeah, and he like tosses over his shoulder. He's like, you don't have the equipment.' And I was like, a a dick reference. Yeah, and yeah. so she throws this like." giant double boiler pot at him mm-hmm. and i thought it was gonna knock him like in not not like full hansel and gretel but like into right. the oven a little bit he should have gotten a little burnt here like he yes. should have touched a hot oven and gotten burnt yeah he should but have. he does take a good fall off a ladder here oh yeah and the the landlord from seinfeld pops in for a one-liner that's right that's who he is yeah yeah i don't know if I he's f- in the middle of a domestic tiff and i wouldn't eat the fish cores he says, he, it almost seems like he's like a gossip because he comes in, he's like, yes. there's a domestic fight. I don't know if we should leave, but definitely don't eat the fish. Right. And then he hear, and then uh, Michael Douglas hears her big ass like monster truck rev. And he goes to the window and sees that like, basically it's her car driveway, his car. And she just like slams into it. Yeah, and then she she like pushes it in the street, and he's frantically trying to get in, and then it won't start. And she comes like tearing down, almost hits him, and then they're like nose to nose, and she's like, "Get out!" With she, the bull she, that she has she has like, she's some, she has a cop this car, this 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 monster truck has one like a CB radio air like like a ho- speak bullhorn it's right so great and she's like get out of the car michael douglas and he's like i you don't have the guts and then she's like okay drives right over it and i was like she monster well, trucks you, him if you kill him you're gonna go to jail like you're not gonna keep the house if you murder no him because then kathleen people. turner walks that would walk up to the food reviewer and be like what are you gonna write about happened tonight huh <laughs> <laughs> I think there would holds be his more face witnesses. to a hot oven, and she's like, "What are you going to write in your story?" I think the police who would get called by someone would be like, "Huh, looks like this car ran over that car, and there's a corpse in this one." Hmm. I wonder if I. <laughs> hey, just one more thing, ma'am. Uh, isn't this your car here? Like, it doesn't take Columbo to solve. No, this she one. puts her car back in the driveway, rinses it off. It's fine. <laughs> rinses it off. It's. 
like exactly the tire print. I feel like she's done for. So she, yeah, she runs over his car. It's a great monster truck rally. And then he comes out, he gets out this of his part car. This part is insane. It's so stupid. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense for his character. Right. He's, like, clearly hiding something behind his back. And he's like, I don't want to make a scene. I live here, too. Blah, 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 blah. And then he, like, goes to hit her giant car with... With a golf club. Yeah. And it reminds me of, like, when you see, like... If you've ever seen, like, the memes from Super Smash Brothers of, like, Donkey Kong hitting one punch and, so, like, Kirby goes flying. Like, yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah. Kirby was trying to, like, beat up Donkey Kong. And yeah. she's, like, deuces and just peels out. But the other part of it that's crazy is, like, well, now the gloves are off. I'm like, motherfucker, you, <laughs> you killed her cat. In, you killed, well, beyond, like, the, the cat was an accident. I'll give you that one. Like, that was a mistake. You walked into her dinner party, blew your nose, nose on the soup, and pissed on the fish. Like, you, you when took were the, the... Yeah, where were the... What gloves are these? Off. Yes, like... <laughs> what you, gloves are you still wearing? Long ago, you removed your gloves, sir. Um, And so she comes back, and he has destroyed the oven. Like... yes. It's it literally looks like, on fire and in pieces. It looks like a prop that would be in like Halloween Horror Nights that you'd walk through yes. like the spooky witch's kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and eating the whole cake with a fork, which I respect. And he's I, like, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, game recognize game. Your your guests would have loved this. And it's like, it's too late for this, my friend. You're yeah. long past this. And she just walks in and goes, well, I guess I better clean up. And then I was like, there's a half hour left in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This feels like when the denouement of like a one last big thing from her and then, you know, Dane DeVito punchline. Right. And he hears smashing. And I was like, oh, is she smashing up the Baccarat crystal? Which she should have. Uh, that should have right. been. That would have been better. Explicit. I agree. Yeah. But instead, it's just more of these shitty ass ceramic figurines. They're Staffordshire figurines, apparently, is what he calls them, which I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm De- sure. Might as well be Department 56 houses. But they're, but like, they're just really ugly. The only part of this I like is, so they start smashing these and then there's like this part, there's just like a ton of Matilda DNA in all of these shots, Mm -hmm. like Dan DeVito signature stuff. My favorite being when he like gets into a shoving match with her over the, over the one of them. And then he yanks it out of her hands and she falls backwards down the stairs, but does two cartwheels. (laughs) I was obsessed with that. Then she goes, whoa. And then it's like a blur, like clearly like green screened in there yes 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 but like of someone doing a cartwheel down the stairs and it's beautiful i really the only there's thing motion about blur there's like yeah fuzzy around the edge it's great the only thing i would have liked better is if she stuck the landing like she falls at the end i, and she I just wanted like her bruised. to kind of like or i i she could have landed and wobbled but i didn't like that she ended up in a heap yeah but we so we cut from that to michael douglas is like well good night then with this one figure but we cut to him waking up and he has like <laughs> a fortress of little ceramic figurines all around the bed that it's just like oh I've, I've got my little i got my little fortress i can keep them safe from her well i so he's calling for his dog and his dog doesn't come and i was like oh i bet she's like hiding the dog and then when he's gone she's gonna like rub liver all over all the figurines so that the dog uh, comes in and just like smashes them all to pieces. Yeah, that would have been good. Instead, we get this bizarre dinner invite where it's like 
they both she writes him a note and he's like i will attend and then we cut to like it's nine o'clock and there's candles and she's got this plate of of she's bringing out food and then she sees candles and wine glasses and is like what and he's like i opened a great bottle of wine for us because i was like oh he's delusional he thinks this is a makeup scene and this is clearly her like this is the last time i'm gonna ask yeah (laughs) like leave the house Yes, and so it's like I hope this wine is wine isn't poisoned. I hope this pate isn't poisoned. They start eating and drinking, and then she's like, "Oh, by the way, this this, this pate is your dog." And I was like, "Whoa, this is like again, Freddy Krueger well, pops first- in. He's like, "Whoa, what are we doing here? You're feeding him his dog. What your Freddy Krueger is like almost Hulk Hogan." What's well, what Freddy's energy? It's very is close, like. but it's this is the part where he is he's full on delusional. Because he's like, I still love you, and I know deep down you still love me, and we should be together. And I was like, no, in no uncertain terms, you two should not be together. And then he's like, we haven't crossed the point of no return for either of us. And I was like, well, you killed her cat, and then uh, (laughs) ruined every single pair of shoes she has, and then ruined her dinner party and pissed on the fish. So, like, I feel like that's a couple a couple <laughs> yes. different points we're, of no return we're for beyond, me personally we're the pale. yeah and then she gets up and she's like well that depends on what you mean uh and that's where she says like this is your dog and i was like i really hope it's not <laughs> and then they give you a quick cutaway of the dog outside i was like oh thank yeah. god yeah oh thank god a safety scene yeah yeah but like i said that's 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 too dark for even a good old freddy but i also just again to like kiss danny devito's ass the they shoot them with these like really tight close-ups like super tight on their mouth super tight on the eyes and it really ratchets up the tension of this scene because again like mm-hmm. we as the audience are like michael douglas what are you thinking but he thinks this is reconciliation territory so she runs away and he like boards up all the doors in the house there's some great tool- yes. i love these sh- shot the close-ups of tools and like stuff yes, it's agreed 100%. this was where i felt very ramey edgar right like Grab the chainsaw, open the spoon yeah, yeah, yeah. drawer, grab a spoon. Yeah. And she's hiding up in the ceiling, gonna drop, the, she's like trying to drop the chandelier on him like she's the yes. fan of the opera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. And the, the thing of it is, is like, they want to kill each other, but only in the most insane way possible. It's like, just get a gun or a knife then. Like, just be a well, maniac and kill them. That's what I, I think I needed more of the that's what that's what i appreciated was that it wasn't i'm gonna stalk you with a knife it was like i need to drop a chandelier on you like right it's i need to board up all of the windows and doors in this house and then like rig up the china cabinet with a with a with a broomstick so that when you crawl underneath like it it was elaborate elaborate and then yeah it gets real rapey in like three minutes and i was like uh, this is a level I, it didn't have to go to. Right, exactly. He, the, he like he goes up in the attic and he gets uh, this like, attic attacked doesn't, by this fleet of mouse traps, which is really the attic funny. doesn't have a ladder. No, like they have there's to, no like, climb into it. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, I think that's not all that unusual, but it is. I agree, it's weird. Um, but yeah, it's like they go up in the attic. He starts trying to force himself on her, which is just gross. And then it's like she's into it and he's dumb enough to fall she, for that. But clearly she's like just trying to save herself here. And she, she bites him in the dick. To the first time they had sex in the movie. Oh, yeah. Which is like she calls his penis something special. I forget what the bald Avenger or something like that. I, that, I think that's and right. Bites him in the dick. Yeah. 
I was like, yeah, you go, girl. Bite Good him in the you. dick. Yeah, yeah. And then she she drops his ass out of the attic. Yeah, he takes a fall that would kill most mortals, but obviously doesn't kill him. And then there's like a bit of comedy where he's like rinsing his bit penis in the bidet. The bidet. Like, I don't. It was bit because he raped. He was trying to rape her. Right. Like this. Like I don't have any sympathy here. Like he's the bad guy. I don't know what what movie you're making, Danny DeVito, but he's the bad guy. And then Susan shows up the housekeeper and i was like she's gonna be so confused yeah yeah i also didn't know why she came back like did someone did did kathleen turner call her i think she i think she cares about them like it's several years she's lived there like i think she just cares about these two people and she knows that they're going to kill each other like she she is like oh it's oh like these two people haven't realized it yet but they're both over the deep end like it's it's a bad bad time right now yeah and i did this was some a great comedy where she sneaks in the house and Michael Douglas throws a like ceramic pot at her. And he's like, Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were Kathleen Turner. And she's like, what? And he's like, let's leave. I'll, and he, un, he like takes a hammer and like takes all the boards Starts off the front door. The door. Yeah. And he's, she's like, where's Kathleen Turner? And he's like, she's fine. And he's, she, she based without saying it. So because I want to hear that from her. And so he calls into the house like, honey, Susan's here. And she's like, she wants to know you're okay. And you hear Kathleen Turner be like, I'm fine. And he he like shoves her outside. He's like, she's like, please come outside with me and let's talk. And she goes outside and he goes, I forgot something, Barbara, and then slams the door. Um, And so she calls uh, Danny DeVito to come over while they're in the house fighting. And we bring back the, um, the, the small Japanese the small Japanese sculpture. statue from before um and he smashes it oh because he says say it's mine and you can have everything in the house and yeah. i thought this was going to be a moment of i didn't say you could have the house he specifically mm-hmm. says you can have everything in the house i was like oh are we is this going to be a yeah, back and yeah, forth yeah, yeah. and instead it's just an even more boss bitch move where she she goes okay it's mine yeah and so he smashes it this 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 part is very much like a home invasion cat and mouse, except it's both of their homes, which is a weird way to do yeah. it. Yeah, they she's like, oh, I got hurt. And so he runs up to her and she hits them with his tire iron or whatever, and then goes over the railing and into the chandelier. And then he jumps onto the chandelier. Well, he's like trying to save her. He's like, he's like, you know, I'll save you if you let me have the house. She's like, no, he's like, well, I'll save you anyway. So he grabs the thing with a crowbar and he's like, going to try to pull it over. She's like, the chandelier is too heavy. It's going to drag you over. And he's like, Psh, what do you know, woman? And then it immediately does that, which is great. Mm-hmm. So then uh, they're both sitting up there. And well, so I forgot to, we forgot to, me- I forgot to mention several points in this movie. There's been a shot from above. So you see through the chandelier to the floor when someone slams yes. a door and it jingles, it's like the chandelier shots in clue. And I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the chandelier starts like breaking and dangling and it like gets to the bottom of it. And like, meanwhile, Dan DeVito is there and they're screaming for help. And there's, it's down to like the last two wires holding. And Michael Douglas is like, each of those can hold 200 pounds easily. Like we're, we're safe. And then we, as they're like trying to break in, we cut to the fuse box where it's like the wire didn't break, but it did come un, you know, it come unscrewed the fixture. Yeah. And then they go crashing into the ground. And I, I was really stunned here is like, he puts his hand out 
And she like to touch her, and she's like, "Ugh, get away from me!" And flicks. I love. Well, she, so she grab. She slowly grabs it because she's weak, and I was like, "Oh God!" And she throws it. And I was like, "Yes, yes, yeah. girl." Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're dead. But, yeah, they're dead. I was flabbergasted that this ends with them dying. And I was reading this article with uh, Kathleen Turner from a couple of years ago, and she was saying the studio was like, "No, no, no. We need an ending where like they go away in separate ambulances, and like they're both alive." And all three of these, uh, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny Vito, were like, "No, we're not going to film that because we we'll use it. <laughs> That's not how this movie ends. They die." And it was like a real big, like That's it's. I find this ending deeply unsatisfying. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I don't I I think death feels like a lot for a heightened reality world. Yeah. I I I think separate ambulances, separate directions like we are we are never <laughs> to quote Taylor Swift, we are never ever getting back together. Yeah. Yeah, it is dark for sure. And and it, we finish with like DeVito in the office and he Cuz like, I I guess I also don't like the messaging at the end which is like I guess the moral of my story is, do you really want to go through all this divorce or can you go home and f- rekindle that love? And I was like, well, yeah. some people should be divorced. Like, <laughs> yeah, plenty of people should be divorced. People should be divorced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I that part is a little weird. But I do, I do, we didn't, I didn't mention it before, but it does, like, he's, like, chain smoking through this whole thing. And he talks about how he, like, had this one cigarette that he was like, Oh, if I don't smoke this cigarette, then I'll never smoke a cigarette. And when Kathleen Turner tried to seduce him, he like busted that thing out. Like he needed oxygen. And then uh-huh. for the rest of the movie, he's like just chain smoking. So he's lighting he's his like, cigarettes off his other cigarettes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's it. That's him finishing up this story, like really milking these cigarettes. But, um, you know, he's like, be generous to the point of night sweats. Or don't do it at all. And it's like, well, all right. I don't know that are, I like that message. <laughs> there's some middle ground here. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the end of it. What are your uh, final thoughts? I like it. I really loved the first two acts. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this this is a contender for like a, a solid, like, tell my friends to watch this movie. But I don't love the third act makes me be like, I don't know that I'll tell my friend. Like, I recommended it for the podcast purposes, but I don't think I'd be like, tell my friends, like, have you seen War of the Roses? Yeah, I like the I like the third act, but I agree with you that it doesn't fit like it's not this movie's third act. It's very confusing in that way. I would give this a recommend. It's like if you like Danny DeVito, his performance is great. I think Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas are great. It's, It's one of those times with a lot of movies where it's like almost all the parts are there for something I really, really like. And so I probably won't revisit this, but I don't dislike it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where I stand with it. I think that it's like, well. It's fine. Like I'm not mad at it, but I I'm I'm good to not watch it again. And certainly uh we are in the ballpark of longest episode of this podcast ever, if not longest ever. I'm almost certain well, this episode no, is the, uh, the longest ever. The uh what about I thought uh Ferris Bueller was longer. I don't think we broke two hours on Ferris Bueller, but maybe oh, well hey. Uh we are over two hours in this point in the recording, so we'll see what we what we end up at. But um yeah, so that's that's two light recommends, I suppose, is where we're at there. Is 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 the It's available on Stars the time of recording. That's right, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 got a lot if you like Dan DeVito, it's got a lot if you like either Kathleen Turner or Michael Douglas. So you know, all all pretty good. Ferris Bueller is one fifty four. I think we're gonna be over that, so we'll see. Yeah. Um don't forget to check out the show uh on Facebook or Twitter. It's at Dissect the 80s on Twitter. 
We'd love to hear from you. We got a really nice tweet the other day from a listener. That's always nice. If you haven't reviewed the show yet, please go to do that on whatever platform you use. If it's not iTunes, send us a screenshot to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com and we read those on the air. So go review the show. You haven't done it yet. Get off your ass and review the show. And tell two friends if you like it, because that's the best way to hear about new podcasts. We will be back in two weeks with the end of Listener Request Month, which is Outrageous Fortune. Official Listener Request Month. That's right. Well, Unofficial well, bonus. Main feed. Main feed. Listener Request Month. And then we're over on the Patreon for the final Listener Request Month episode, which is Frog Quest? AK, Frog no, Dreaming. Frog AKA Dreaming, the quest. AKA The Quest. Yes. So uh, that'll be in June. So if you'd like to hear that, head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. And check that out for $5 a month. You get four bonus episodes a year, plus a Christmas bonus and all sorts of fun stuff. So check that out. We're about halfway to getting a Patreon episode every single month at the $5 tier. So help us get there. We you know, build it and they will come kind of thing, you know, f- uh, Field of Dreams business. So you you help us build it and we'll give it Is to you. Is that 80s? I think it's 91. It might be 89, mm. though. Thank you so much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.